April 10th. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Uh, got a heavy episode of wrestling and racing for you today. So we're going to get things kicked off right away. We're going to talk horse racing, some Gulfstream for Friday, some Oaklawn for Friday. Then we're going to talk some Gulfstream for Saturday. Then we bring on Emily Gullickson to talk some Oaklawn for Saturday. We talk about the stakes races there and then a an allowance race on the undercard that was a kind of an interesting one. Then we have an interview with Don August where we recap WrestleMania. We go through every match on both nights. We bring in Chad Cooper to talk Monday Night Raw, NXT, and All Elite Wrestling. So kick back and enjoy as we get set for some some Friday racing. Get your past performances out gonna go to Gulfstream Park first and I'm gonna go to the fourth race for the the first Gulfstream play and we'll go to the number two Teenage Kicks I think she's gonna have some speed from the inside um she showed some speed last time out on February 2nd and she was inside she was chasing she was a couple lengths off she was in second third she just couldn't get to the runaway winner that day and you know what? Sometimes when you're in chase mode like that, it's not the easiest spot. Now you get the drop in class. Joel jumps aboard. The two teenage kicks that's using all exotics. We'll make a win wager in that fourth race at Gulfstream Park if we can get you know a good price. We don't we don't want to get too short of a price. Let's go to race number six, and we're gonna go to the seven in here, Starship Apollo. You know what? He's just drawn really well. He can sit. He loves to win races. I think this is a really good spot for him. Um, I think it's a, a place where you can maybe play against the take charge dude in here because there's a lot of speed signed up to his outside. I think, you know, with Travi Boy in here, with Jersey Joe B, with Killa D, they all have the opportunity to make it at least difficult for take charge dude who's got the rail. And Starship Apollo could sit the kind of trip that should work out really well. Uh, in that spot. So, uh, sixth race, number seven, Starship Apollo. In the seventh race, that's the start of your late pick four. Um, you know, the 11's going to be really tough in there, so if you're playing any, like, pick fours. But make sure to include the six, Magic River. She had a brutal start last time out. She was last. She was 10 off, and she really got going late. She moved to the inside. She just missed second, and she doesn't have to be so far back. This is the lowest spot for her. Give Magic River a, a long look in there. If you want to go a little deeper, maybe the the 12 and the 8 would be a couple others I would include. include. But I have a 6 and 11 on kind of a tier uh, above themselves. And then in race number 8, the the 5. You know, four, this is kind of a fun a fun little race. Super cute was impressive in her debut win. Four Grands was impressive. Finding Fame was impressive. And Four Graces was impressive. I figure those will take the bulk of the money. I, I like Finding Fame the most. She was able to settle uh, inside. She was about five lengths off, save some ground. She has to angle around five wide and then in between, and then she has to hold off a late challenge. It was a pretty professional effort for a barn who's not necessarily known for their first out success, and it was at an in-between distance, six and a half, which is not easy to win. Tenth place finisher that day has come back to win a maiden special weight. Now you get the stretch out. Finding fame I have of those four I have on top. And I think Super Cute was was pretty impressive in that debut win and did it from the rail, so did it from the rail going a mile. I have five one eight four. I mean, no, no knocks on four grands, no knocks on four graces. I just prefer Finding Fame uh, of uh, of them, and I think it's a, a good spot to try to get win number two. 
And in the uh, the ninth race, you know, nothing nothing cute. The three positive fill, uh, probably gonna be pretty tough in there. So, the the tenth race, um, our man Joe is gonna take a ton of money. So maybe you play some late pick fours, um, where you can key in on on one of these these spots. But for me, the the plays today are fourth race number two, uh, teenage kicks. Sixth race, the number seven, Starship Apollo. Seventh race, the number six, Magic River. Eighth race, the number five, uh, the number five, Finding Fame. That's Friday for Gulfstream. Let's get to Oakland for Friday, April tenth. Get your past performances out. Not, uh, not in love with the with the Oakland sequence. Much prefer the Saturday stuff at Oakland Park, which we'll get to in just a minute, but um, I do have a couple plays in eighth ra- in the eighth race. We're going to go to the number two, and as you can hear me flip-flopping my papers all around. It, the seventh race starts your late pick four. I thought so alive, you know, it was going to be really tough in there. Victory element, maybe if you're looking for um, a little more of a price, the 11... Not to the five is interesting with a little bit of back class and then the twelve. So depending on how you're playing a pick four or something like that, that might be those. Those are some of the horses I would use in the eighth race. The two strong flag I really like. I like the way that that Philly was able to step forward, and um, I, she's obviously on the way up. And then the the price to maybe use in some of the the late exotics is in the ninth race, and that's the number seven Petrov who's going to cut back, who's going to drop in class, and I think this is a really, really nice spot for him at a big price. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets bet a little bit. I think that morning line's a little high, but make sure to throw the number 7 Petrov into your exotics in race 9 there at Oaklawn Park. So, best of luck on Friday at uh, Gulfstream and Friday at Oaklawn. Let's get you to Saturday. We'll start on uh, Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Let's get to race number five. That's going to be our first play. We'll just have uh, a couple plays throughout the the card. We'll, first ra- uh, first play in the fifth race, the nine Champagne Lady, who should really improve uh, moving to the grass here. She's a full assist to the grade one Hollywood Derby winner, Motown, who loved the grass. And this one will go two sprints to a round stretch out. She's going to be sitting closer, and I expect her to improve in here. This isn't the strongest race in the world either. She doesn't have to be great to, to beat this group. The number nine, Champagne Lady. Let's go to Gulfstream, race number six. And let's go to number 10, Victory Town. Victory Town had a slow start. She was He was six lengths off. Uh, he recovered well. He was sitting nicely on the inside. He shot through an opening. Then he angles around three wide. He flattens out a bit late, but that was his first start from uh, November uh, since November, and he his rest race was on March the 14th. He should get a lot out of that, and he's finally going to put two together. I'd be shocked if he's half his morning line. If he is, we'll make a nice win wager on the number 10, Victory Town. Uh, two races later, in race number 8, again the number 10, we're going to go to Fugitive, who was fourth in the same race that Victory Town was third. Uh, Fugitive had a slow start. He was ninth of 10. He angled to the outside with a nice three-wide bid. He closed well in the stretch. He was not far out of third behind Victory Town, who we like earlier on the card. I think that's a strong race, and I think they have an opportunity to win a couple races on that Saturday card. In the 10th race at Gulfstream, the number 8, Bachelor's Bait, got shuffled a little bit on the inside, then sat nicely uh, after and was able to angle around three wide like a pro. That was her debut at Laurel. She won nicely. And if you look at this race, 
yeah, she might not be, she might not have the speed figure, and she might not be, have, have been quite quick enough in her debut, where it looks like someone on paper may be better. She could fall into a really nice spot. She has the opportunity to improve, making her first start as a three-year-old. I think she could fall into a, a really nice trip here in race number 10 at Gulfstream Park. And then the 12th, just a horse to maybe throw in in some of your late exotics uh, if um, if you're playing them. I thought the five violent times could sit a really nice trip in here. Going to go second off. She moves back to the dirt. She's run well on the track here, on the main here at Gulfstream Park. She has that speed, but she can sit right behind if need be. So that's the number five, Violent Times. Make sure to include in all of your exotics. Next up, I'm going to talk some Oaklawn for Saturday. So let's go to an interview with Emily Gullickson. We'll talk about the big races at Oaklawn with her, and then afterwards I will recap my plays. Enjoy Emily Gullickson talking some Oaklawn. Just wanted to remind you about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off of your entire purchase. These are all natural soy wax candle. They candles, they burn longer. They are better for you than the candles out there that have that traditional paraffin wax. I know the people from this company personally. I've grown up with them my whole life. They love candles. And the goal was to, to have an affordable candle that everyone can enjoy use that promo code G-I-N-O my favorite is fresh roses the fresh roses scent is awesome if you're a horse racing fan they got Del Mar in there you ever want to know what Del Mar smells like but you couldn't make it out there order your candle right now from Sarah Candle Company the website C-E-R-A Candles.com Sarah Candles.com promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off your purchase Very excited to have uh, back to talk some horse racing. You heard her last week. I think we talked some, uh, or last week, last month when we talked some Santa Anita. Um, unfortunately, no Santa Anita right now, but we do still have some really good racing going on at Gulfstream and Oaklawn Park. Our focus is going to be Oaklawn Park. Emily Gullickson from Optic CQ, uh, Brisnet uh, selections. Uh, what what am I missing, Emily? What else are we? What else do, uh, do we need you uh, to? <laughs> moment that covers it Optics okay that are uh, keeping me busy between oaklawn and gulfstream park yeah i mean the the, the racing at oaklawn has been really like really good it's unfortunate that with you know some of these racetracks closing other tracks are really benefiting from it and you see you know a card like saturday at, at oaklawn park there are some really good maiden races early on in the card there's uh, an interesting um kind of allowance race that i want to talk about and then a couple deep deep stakes races so um, Oakland was really fun uh, to handicap for this weekend. Yeah, it's been a good meet overall, and it kind of had some um, anticipation on that front going yep. in, you know, with mm-hmm. the structure and things like that. And it's uh, it's delivered all around. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Saturday card's great. We could have some weather, um, just kind of have to monitor that. But I think, you know, overall, Oakland does a good job as far as track maintenance. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's dig in if you're ready. Let's do it. Let's get to race number four. So the reason why I picked this race out was because it's a good, uh, little optional claim or allowance race. And there are a couple horses that we, we kind of know their names. We know Scabbard who was kind of, a, he was a real buzz horse in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last year. Remember after his troubled trip in the Iroquois, and then he hasn't really done a whole lot. He did have a little bit of trouble in, in his first start this year. Um, we have, um, Fort McHenry is a horse a lot of people know The million dollar purchase uh, He's been in the, the st- greatest stakes race a couple times uh, That's Chrome's brother And um, and then we also know 
Blackberry Wine, who's kind of a, an interesting horse to discuss because he's crossed the the finish line first now three times, but he really only has one win. And when we saw him last, he was actually dropping out of the Grade Two Risen Star, but two of his wins got stripped because he tested positive for banned substances. So he actually went back into a maiden race on March the fourteenth on the that was the Rebel Undercard. He won that race by. Uh, 13 lengths in the slop And he earned a huge figure He's just kind of a, a strange horse When you see something like this When a horse is, has won a couple times But then they get the, they get stripped Because the way horse racing does it The positive test comes so late that He's already actually won his second race Before we even know that he tested positive For his first win yeah, that is that is weird how that works out, and um, I mean, I I kind of just I look at them as wins, right? I mean, especially mm-hmm. that one coming off sure. the bat, and of course, just kind of having to to stack that in with with how he fits in this race. And I know we had talked earlier just about the stakes races. You mentioned this race, and I'm glad you did because it really is, you know, an, an interesting race. I mean, it's from a handicapping perspective, it's really tricky. And then, you know, you get into like the more of the betting aspect of it, you know, and I'm just, you know, going off morning lines because we're sitting here on Thursday and then obviously Saturday, we don't have a live tote board, but um, you know, from a gambling standpoint, that's kind of my, my approach when I looked at this race, because there are so many, so many kind of different outcomes that it really comes down to, um, you know, I just want to approach it from value. So I think it's important. I know a lot of people are listening to this that maybe are like new to playing horses or whatever, but I think it's important to kind of have an approach going into yep. this race. And so that's sort of the way that, that I, I kind of looked at this from that perspective. Um, and, and just sort of starting from like eliminating horses. I think that's one thing that maybe sometimes even seasoned handicappers like kind of forget to do. But if you just kind of go through the field and you're like, you know, Momosa, the number three, um, the number seven, Wu Pig Suey. And this is my opinion. I mean, obviously somebody could come at this a different sure. way. Number eight, um, Amen Corner. And number 10, no shirt, no shoes. Those those four horses to me in this uh, 10 horse field are just below, like as far as class, as far as speed figures, etc. So kind of eliminating those four horses right off the bat. So now I'm sort of looking at like a six horse field and you talked about these horses that we know, um, you know, and kind of going with um, the favored who's scabbard, who's fine. Right. I mean, it makes yep. sense for him to come out of those stakes races, kind of get some, uh, maybe some confidence in this allowance field, cutting back to a mile. I think it kind of helps him. He's a little bit on the smaller side, you know, those, all that's positive. Right. But is this a horse like you want as the favorite? You know, I don't know. I don't feel bad. Not me. I don't want him at two to one, five to two ish. No, no. Right. So then, so then you're kind of like, okay, well now I got to go, I got to go outward, outward. Right. So who's the second choice? Blackberry wine, you know, kind of the same thing. I mean, he's, he has those three wins, you know, with the asterisks attached. Um, and he's run some big figures, but then you kind of dig a little bit deeper. And the maiden race that he comes out of um, on March 14th was was a pretty weak event. I mean, the horse that finished second was a was a first time starter. All the other horses in that race are just uh, you know they're much slower than anything he's going to face here. He's kind of had um, you know he's run good races, but he's kind of had some things his own way. He likes to be forwardly placed. Looking at this race complexion, he's going to have some um, contention in that front. So another horse, like I'm not crazy about him at a short price. Me neither. No. Um, and then, you know, you just kind of keep going outward, right? You got shoot or shoot. Is he the third choice there? Seven to two. 
Um, you know, he just broke his maiden uh, over at Santa Anita. Erton has done well with his horses shipping into Oakland, um, so I think that's somewhat of an upgrade. But kind of overall, um, you know, Optics Figs, I have Brisnet pulled up as well. Um, Optics figures are a little bit lighter than what Brisnet has, and like for him being lighter, he's sort of below those kind of top tier, uh, I shouldn't say top tier, but like a little bit below Scabbard, a little bit below Blackberry Wine on that front. Um, so for him being a short price and, you know, he, he kind of had some things go favorably in his March uh, 15th race. Yep. Um, and then, you know, just kind of like from a value standpoint, I look at him, I look at a horse like Warriors Map, who almost, you know, optics figures kind of line up the same way. I could make a little bit more excuses for him in some of his, his Oakland races, um, just as far as trip and whatnot. And the race that he comes out of is probably even a little bit stronger facing older. So if I'm looking at, you know, taking a maiden into allowance company and these horses are pretty similar, shoot or shoot at seven to two and um, uh, number six, Warriors Math at 15 to one, I'm going to, you know, I'll take lean. a little gamble. I'm not oh, sure. You know, <laughs> yeah, you lean in the price every time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, working out that way, and then and then you're just sort of left at that point um, with with two other horses who are, are a little bit fuzzy, right? You have Cleon Jones, who just didn't handle the kickback in the Remsen. Um, he ran well in, in New York Red Company. Englehart's another trainer that's been bringing me in live. Um, he's going to be tested, obviously. You know, kind of going this two turns. Um, if you excuse the Remsen, which um, was that nine furlong race, but he kind of seems up to the task. If he runs back to his races, yeah. He could totally fit in here. Um, and he might get the trip. He really gets. looks like he should get the trip. I mean, we don't know what the racetrack is going to be playing yeah. like. Yeah. But totally. he should save all the ground. There's there's a good amount of speed. I think that could be why I'm a little against Blackberry Wine, too, when you have shooters shoot in there. And then you look to the outside. There might be a couple other speed. Yeah, like I... I like I love what you did like with eliminating because I do something really similar when I'm handicapping and I'm just like going through okay nah that one's not good enough or his trip's not going to work or she doesn't really fit here and you kind of it makes it so much easier when you get down to okay these are and and we're going to be wrong sometimes when we just eliminate horses right like it's gonna it's gonna happen but when you set yourself up a field of okay these are the five horses that I feel like are going to get the trip you have to trust your own handicapping and your ability obviously but it makes it so much easier it doesn't feel like as overwhelming to tackle a big race right yeah and then uh, absolutely and then kind of the um you know the other the other horse that just kind of got left out that that deserves a mention is Fort McHenry and I know he kind of had some hype being like California Chrome's brother and you know um gelded so I mean they haven't really Things kind of haven't gone quite to plan, I would yeah. say. But yeah. um, I think there's some upside here as well. I I tried. To, I think we talked about the San Felipe was the last mm-hmm. time I was on your show, and I I tried to make a case for him that afternoon, just as far as his two turn form. Watching him train in the morning, you know, he really looks like a two turn horse. Um, his most recent startup at Golden Gate, I that was a pretty good race. Um, the winner kind of stopped right off uh, him and the other horse that that set the pace. And those two horses finished in a really, really, really tight photo for place. Um, I'm terrible at calling photos. I would have called Fort McHenry. So, I mean, when you see, when you see that yeah. three on there, it's pretty much a two. Um, but I just think, you know, I got the blinkers back on. He's going to get to the main track. O'Neill's horses have been running well here. So he's another horse that, you know, at a price is just kind of, one that I'm keeping in the mix. So that's sort of the way that, that I kind of looked at this race is just to, to not really 
be too scared of those favorites should yes. they win fine um but you know let's let's gamble get a little value yeah just demand a little value on who you like maybe it's like you said maybe it's a horse like warriors map if cleon jones is around that you know 6 to between 6 and 10 to 1 cuz he might be a horse that people forget a little bit about if you know if shooters shoot and scabbard and blackberry wine and some of the horses who have a little bit more standout figures take a little more money the one could float up uh, warriors maps i i like what you you mentioned all the like, it seems like the legitimate contenders And like always I think price is the key When we're sitting here watching like who's going to offer us The best value that's where we got to take the swing Absolutely Okay let's move into the stakes races now We're going to go to race number 9 if you're following along With your past performances and we're at uh, Oakland On Saturday for April the 11th So race number 9 Is uh this is a really Fun race to start to look into Because this is another one where You have some of these names of these these kind of Horses that we've gotten to know over the last year Couple years you look at Mr. Money Who had an, an awesome Like end of 2019 where he put together A really good win streak I mean He really I thought he was going to win that Pennsylvania Derby he just missed there and then You can make an excuse for him in the Breeders Cup You know just put a line end of the year you know A track he was just way out of it a lot of horses didn't like that track You have Tom's D. Todd who was Always kind of like a, a horse who would show up In big races but he's been able To string some races together now And he's he's got a little more consistent um, We have uh, Long Range Toddy Who was in the, the 2019 Derby We have Improbable who was in the 2019 Derby So I mean right there you have a field Of 14 and um, in, in a, like we, we don't see big Fields like this in some of these like older Stakes races so it was just like Kind of refreshing to, to open up And see this in the past performances yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it does get, you know, you can kind of go through the same process as far as horses that are mm-hmm. you know, kind of below and as far as being contenders, but when you do have this big field of 14, it is going to change the the race uh, complexion a little bit, right? So you have a horse like, um, I'm trying to find one, for example, a horse like Boulder, for example, who has, you know, who has some speed, but he's been a sprinter, so is is he going to make this pace a little bit faster than some of these route horses want to run on? Like, where does he kind of mix in? And even though maybe he's not a prime contender, he could make things difficult for, uh, you know, a Mr. Money from, for Improbable, who's got a clear from post-14. You know, so you have those other kind of, like, nuanced parts of this uh, of this handicapping puzzle. Yeah, it, it, this is yeah, this is fun, and then you have some of the the horses who have been hanging around at Oaklawn and, and battling in some of the uh, the local stakes races like Pioneer Spirit and and Banquet. So, um, you know, I mentioned the horses that that people know and the names. Like, where where do you kind of start in here? Who are kind of uh, some of your your top tier horses in this one? Yeah, so I mean, kind of going through the same process and then landing with the favorite, um, Tom Zatat, and I just I think he's legit, right? Yep, I mean, you yep. have to assess the favorite, and in this spot, it's like he's got class, he's consistent on speed figures, he's got the right running style. Um, you know, it's kind of like he checks all those boxes. So mm-hmm. it's, from that perspective, I think he's a legit favorite. Um, in in this spot, so I mean, it would be kind of like anchoring around him. I do think that there's. Um, that there are some horses that value perspective um, are, are worth a look. You know, I mean, I know you said Banquet. Um, he has a lot of upside to me. I thought he ran well in both the fifth season and the Razorback and then had a, a, a kind of subtle excuse in the Essex Stakes. Um, he was wide, which you didn't want to be wide that day. You wanted to be on the inside part of the track. He got shuffled back, just kind of overall, just was not in the right spot to really run his race. And he has upside out of that. And it's just kind of the right price being at eight to one, you know, the pace, he's going to have 
a more favorable pace this afternoon. I know Asmussen's been a little bit cold, but when you're talking 15 to one, you can be a little bit uh, forgiving. Plus also yep. it's a trainer that, you know, he can train a horse. Like, let's, yeah. you know, these yeah. trainers go through streaks, but you know, then I, I think he kind of fits in here again. He's going to need a trip. He's going to need his, his best day um, to compete. Um, I'm also going to give a look to fight on for Doug O'Neill. Um, he's run well at Oakland Park. He's been, it was kind of one of those horses that maybe, you know, took a little bit to develop um, and, and got actually pretty sharp last year at Oakland. Went over to Dubai, um, didn't really fare that well. And I mean, O'Neill's horses were running there, so maybe that's a little bit of a negative, but at the same time, it's also kind of a, a trickier trickier spot. But he's just kind of a horse that, um, you know, could just kind of be in the right place at the right time and fall into it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's 20 to one. I mean, if I'm looking at, I'm looking at optics plot, um, the surface and distance, he's in the exact same spot with the exact same square as Tom's to tot. So it's kind of like, if I find he's a legit favorite and another horse that's 20 to one, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too cute in that perspective. So, um, he's an include, those are just kind of the, the three horses for me that, um, I'm going to play around with in here. Yeah, I, I like Vankit quite a bit. I think com- I completely agree on Tom's Detot. Like he's not a favorite that I'm I'm looking to line up to beat in yeah. here. I, I just if if you there are going to be other races where I don't like the chalk that I'm I'm willing, but he he is legit. He's been good and he's become like a legitimate like grade two, even like low level grade one in some spots, which he won last time out. And there's not a whole lot of depth in the divisions anymore, so you don't, you don't, we don't really know what what grade caliber horses are anymore. It's not like it used right. to be. Um, he fits really well. The only horse I wanted to mention who I kind of think is a, a little bit interesting from sort of the same perspective as you, you said with fight on is the, the 11 Lord Guinness. I, I think he can hit the, like pick up a slice and kind of just fall into it. If he's sitting in a good spot, I think some of those races, I remember him when he was at, at Santa Anita in uh, in Southern California earlier, and he just didn't get really good rides. He, uh, there was a bug rider for a while who was, was aboard and he, he didn't always get the best, the best trips and spots. And he came off of a long layoff. It was a race that he needed. He ran pretty well. A horse snuck up the inside. He might not have even seen him. Like he just missed. And I don't know if he's good enough, you know, if a Tom's D Todd or a Mr. Money or one of them show up with their A game. But he is at least the type of horse who has a little bit of value and who might get the right kind of tripping here to fall in and, and to pick up a slice. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, this is worth mentioning is that both um, Lord Guinness and um, Improbable were were entered to run in a stakes race at Santa Anita the, the weekend that they had closed, um, you mm-hmm. know, had the order that they couldn't race. And I gave him a look in there as well. I think you bring up all, all the right points that he's just kind of one of those horses that kind of seems to be figuring it out. And um, it can definitely be a long for a share. I agree. I mean, he's, he's a little bit slower right now, but mm-hmm. it's not like he's that far off. And he's just, you know, if you project a little bit of upside, um, he could definitely be right there in the mix. Okay, that's a, a fun a fun race to talk about in race number nine. And now we're going to move to race number 11. This is the Oaklawn Stakes. And this is actually what would have been the Arkansas Derby. The Arkansas Derby is now going to be moved into May and kind of take the place of the weekend where the Kentucky Derby would have been run. So what you have here is you have a lot of connections and a lot of trainers who have kind of been Kind of sitting on their hands and not sure what's going to happen with the last round of Kentucky Derby preps. You know, San Anita Derby, uh, the Bluegrass, the race at Sunland, the Wood. Like all these races had to get canceled. Only 
We only had the little, you know, very few that remain Louisiana Derby, Florida Derby. It does look like we're going to still have the Arkansas Derby in a few weeks. So this is sort of a prep. It, it's kind of weird how they done it. They flipped the stakes, these two stakes races. It's now going a mile and an eighth. It's the Oaklawn. It's two hundred thousand dollars, and I believe the top three finishers of this get into the Arkansas Derby automatically. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a big field here. You have Baffert coming in with uh, with thousand words. You have Asmussen trying to. To hopefully start some, um, uh, a new momentum streak With a couple legitimate uh, horses in here So let's kind of do the same thing that we did uh, With the other couple races And start with you know the, the logicals, the favorites What do we do with Thousand Words Who comes off of that disappointing San Felipe effort When he was you know really just kind of outrun By his stablemate Authentic Yeah, um, you know he could, he could definitely win It's just it kind of goes back to the other three year old race of, of it being like do you trust him At a short price and, yep. and I don't think I do I mean he has It's just it, it's more kind of of his style um, And I've, I've watched his works Coming out of the race and I've obviously Watched his races and even Before the um, Even before the San Felipe And you kind of watched his wins it's like He doesn't He's not overly impressive. You know, he's, he kind of finds some trouble, but he grinds it out. And that's kind of how he he works as well. And, you know, maybe if you're, like, really looking for an excuse and for a reason, um, you know, for him being, like, his trip was, was – there was really no excuse in his trip, but maybe being, like, behind horses, he wants to sort of be forwardly placed and he just kind of wants to grind it out. Um, so maybe that's his, you know, that's his winning ways, but he's just not that overly flashy horse. Um to, to get super excited about So I, I think he fits in here I think he can be a contender But he's not a horse that I'm like You know, I want to be singled to by any means Or would feel like, you know, a Tomsey Atat Where it's like, he's clearly the horse to beat I'm going to kind of sink my my wager Sort of around him um, So so yeah, I'm a little iffy I'm kind of going out, outside on that uh, Of him in this spot Yeah, I'm kind of with you I think he... He just feels like he needs to be in a really good spot And I think that if he's the type of horse Who like gets shuffled back and has to make a move And come around I don't I don't feel comfortable that he, he's going to be able to do that and win um, He's not He's You mentioned it perfectly He's just very grindy He just doesn't have much of a turn of foot And so if he's sitting close He's kind of a tough horse to, to pass late Because he'll kind of fight you a little bit And he'll battle you But I just worry that if he gets shuffled Has to re-rally Kind of things get a little tough in a big field like this I don't want to have to worry about that at a very short price with him Of the horses who I think are going to get bet I would much prefer Basin It feels to me like this is a good spot For him to show some improvement um, I think you know when you watch his race A little bit maybe not the easiest spot To come back in the slop That race uh, with Nadal was a little bit weird You had mentioned it kind of being on the inside Was the place to be He He had some traffic and shuffled A few different times and he still actually ran on Pretty well late finishing third so I guess Of the short prices for sure I would Prefer base and I think this is probably He should be ready to take a nice step Forward here yeah I agree And for for all those reasons I think you should Get what he needed out of that race you know His first start around two turns all that stuff Um so this is kind of the spot For him to to just sort of step Up at this point um Another horse that, that you know I'm Kind of I'm leaning on the more and more I look at it is um Farmington Road Sure. I don't know where you kind of went this way as well. I thought it was kind of a, a sneaky good run in the Risen Star. Um, he was a little bit against the profile, a little bit against the way the kind of dynamics of the race. 
um, showed showed some run, showed a move, and was still kind of running at the end. Continued to gallop out. I mean, just not not a horse that looks like distance is going to be a problem. Um, and he's going to have a uh, he should have much more pace to run at here. Um, you know, obviously being that far back is you know not quite ideal, but um, I believe there's the equipment change, right? Yeah, the blinkers, yeah. and I don't think he, yeah. he and even before the blinkers too. Like he doesn't have to be that far back. You know, he's, he yeah. doesn't have to be dead last and go and go by every other. Like he could be, you know, three or four from the back, and that's fine in a spot like that. Just like to keep yourself out of a little bit more traffic. Right. So I, you know, I I, I like him in here. I just think there's there's some upside off that. I like that effort. Um, and just you know, you kind of look at the way this race shapes out for all those reasons, and and this is just a, a great spot for him to run back in. Um, I, you know, I don't know. It was hard for me to get like. It was, too super excited about a lot of horses in here. There's some other ones I, you know, I gave a gave a look to. Um, uh, you know, Tation I think is is okay. He's not a, a super need the lead type, even though he was yes. lead last. That's time a good. Now. That's a really good point. It, he got forced from the rail, kind of. You know, it was like we're inside. It's sloppy. Like I'm just gonna get out in front and try to stay out of trouble. But I I I could really see him sitting, and he may be able to sit a good trip in here if he's like just off. Right. Yeah. For all those reasons. I mean, he was, he was super wide and had trouble in the Southwest. And I just think they were just like, you're the best horse in the race. Just <laughs> go from the rail and, yeah, yeah. and just win, you know, yep, so, yep. you know, he's got that tactical speed. He can finish, you know, uh, Rosario's great finisher. So, um, you know, I like him in this spot. Um, Is digital more of a miler. Uh, you know, I think he's more of a one turn. I really, yeah, do. I mean, just, I yeah. think it's just some, some stamina limitations, but he's fast enough to compete in here, but that's just sort of uh, coming out of those fairgrounds races, just kind of the, the one concern with him. I mean, he'll be sitting like right there and then maybe that extra furlong just kind of is, is idling. Um, uh, you know, background is kind of interesting to me. Um, he's just been like improving and kind of <laughs> running on. And I know he's like a big price. I don't know if he's necessarily like the the win. Actually, it's twelve to one. Um, win contender type, but you know, he's sticking around. Um, you know, could be could be worth like exotics. Um, sort of a little bit surprised. I'm um, just looking at the morning lines right now. Of Gold Street, I don't think he'll be twenty to one. I think people like this horse and go back to the Smarty Jones, where he kind of had everything his own way on the front end, was on the right part of the track, had a really soft pace on the front end. Um, kind of a tough spot here, but I think he'll probably be shorter than uh, the morning line. Um, I, I don't. I think for me, like shoplifted hasn't done enough this year. You know, so- he just hasn't really improved. He just kind of seems like the same horse every time, and that might be enough to pick up like underneath pieces in some spots. But I just I haven't seen enough improvement from him. Yeah, no, I I agree one hundred percent. You know, I, I was making cases for him. You know, out of the Santa Anita races, just same, not yeah. that track there, and then just coming to Oakland Park, it's like his speed figures haven't improved. Visually, he hasn't improved. You know, the the strength of those races, it's like they've been kind of average. Um, but he's another horse that like the way he he looks on optics plot and his run style. I mean, he's gonna get a great trip. Yep. If for some reason, you know, this is the day that the light switch goes on, he could be right there. But but I agree, he's just not been quite fast enough at this point to um, you know, really show he belongs kind of in this kind of stakes division. The one other horse I wanted to mention, I think you mentioned him when you were on with uh, Scott Shapiro and you guys were talking of the Rebel Undercard on uh, on the Hootie Like podcast, uh, Coach Bahi, who, you know, it's funny, 
He was taken back and he was 10 off And he made this big 5 wide move And as, like, as soon as Vic called him He like immediately flattened out <laughs> Like He called him in the middle like a big call Here comes Coach By and then boom like It was like he heard Vic and then he's going to flatten out right after that But he did kind of make a big move into contention Before flattening out I, I, I think I don't and I don't know if that means for this race or for whatever, but I do think there's there might be a little something here with him if he finds the right spot to maybe at least give give you some value somewhere. Do you do you give this horse any chance to you know pick up a piece? Yeah, I kind of on that podcast I kind of said the same thing that he was more of kind mm-hmm. of an underneath type because he'd been improving and would like relish the distance, which I think is here. But again, you know, yep. just speed figure wise, he's just a little bit on the slower side. He's just got a Take another step forward again um, But more capable underneath Emily uh, this was a lot of fun You do a, a great job handicapping I like to follow along And it, like, if someone wants to um, Look at some of your write ups And some of the uh, the optics Like you guys do Like you do like free races of the day Which I was all over Honestly like last weekend uh, One of the, the horses I, I think I, I uh, Emma was the one who I like I hadn't even looked at a whole lot of Oakland for that day I kind of briefly looked I lo- read your write up And then it kind of looked at the past performances And you like it was just like a blind like Thank you I'll take that one sure so um, <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> where, where do you uh, where, where can we find those and where can we Find uh, some of your stuff and give us your social Media plugs yeah so um, Everything I'm actually all the content I've, I've written up for this weekend is going to all be Free um, race of the days uh, Up at Brisnet um, I'll tweet that out so it's Emily or at this so Twitter at Emily Optics EQ. Um, I'll tweet up the links for those Brisnet, um, and they're usually supported. Uh, Twin Spires Brisnet Optics EQ. We'll all retweet. Um, I did a horse by horse um, for this race on Saturday, and then um, it's kind of some three. I think you know maybe some clever spots tomorrow. Um, a little bit, a little bit stabby. I tried to, I tried to get creative um, in this stuff. You know. Uh, try to find some things that maybe aren't super obvious, you know, to people that are, are just looking at the past performances. So some, some ideas for tomorrow, um, but all that'll be up um, on Brisnet and then over at Optic CQ as well. Thank you so much, Emily. Uh, we always have a blast talking racing and I look forward to, uh, to chatting with you again real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. That was uh, Emily Gallickson. You found, uh, you heard all the information of uh, where you can find her on social media. Let's take a quick break here on that's what G said. And then we'll be right back. A big thank you to Emily for talking some Oaklawn. Always love the horse racing conversations we get to have. So let me quickly run through the the card and some of the other horses uh, throughout the card that I like a little bit. In the second race and the third race, I would be super captain obvious. So nothing to really uh, give you much except for I think the eight Miss Imperial in the second is always is going to be really tough. And then in the third race, I would think the eight uh, Skull Factor and the nine Violent Pass would be two to uh, to include. In the fourth race, the one that we talked about with Emily, um, I do like the one. Cleon Jones, I think, is going to sit a really, really nice trip in there. I think has every opportunity in uh, in a race that looks to have a ton of speed. So we're going to gonna start there in uh, race number four with the one, Cleon Jones. In race number five, the two horses I would look at would be the 12 Crystal, uh, excuse me, the 12 Cynical, cynical girl is going to get a big jock, jock upgrade Is going to add the blinks with that outside speed And the 10, Nasty Who's got some money in the debut Who ran pretty well, was kind of in between And didn't really seem to settle a whole lot And I think should mature And show a little bit more uh, More of the opportunity to relax here In career start number 2 So let's use the the 12 and the 10 In race number 5 In the 6th The 5-6 though 
is interesting. I mean, if you just can excuse the Gotham and just play him off of his debut race, he would be a major, major player in this spot. So let's look to the uh, the five six zero. Uh, the six Geo Care obviously makes some sense. Captain Bombastic and uh, Pneumatic will be tough in here, but six zero will make a win wager on if we can get a, a nice price on uh, on that one. In race number seven, I'm gonna go to the ten. Shaka, it, you know, it looks like uh, Smack Attacks pace, Plain Talks pace, Absolute Units pace. You're gonna get some pace from Pine Knoll. I think Shaka. Joel jumping on. Um, another another one, unfortunately, just feels like we're on Joel quite a bit, right? He was completely outrun in that last race, but he had a brutal start. He was only three to one. He got bumped in at the start. He was ninth going, you know, on in inside, and it was in the slop, and he had lost to Blackberry Wine, who's a multiple winner, the horse that we, we spoke about. I think there's more. To, to this guy, and I think it's a really good spot to come running late, and uh, that's the number ten Shaka in race number eight. The the number nine proverb. He he's gonna get bet a little bit in, in here, and it's again we're on Rosario, but he had a good a good start, and he was right with the leaders in his last in his last start but then he takes back and then he couldn't kind of keep up early on after grabbing a hold he got buried inside he gets shuffled all the way back to last he's inside with nowhere to go he has to weave through traffic he ducks back down to the inside it was a bad ride it was a tough trip and um, i'm not surprised to see a jock switch in here going to put two starts together now he you you can see he he's never really run a bad race and he has some talent his problem is is that in the last you know year and a half he just hasn't been able to stay on the racetrack. I think he's going to get a lot of fitness out of that last start. That's the number nine proverb in race number eight at Oaklawn. In race number nine, uh, we spoke about this one with Emily and uh, I mentioned the eleven Lord Guinness. And then after that, there's many different ways to go. The eight, um, I thought Bankett's fun to use. And then you're kind of getting to what do you do with Mr. Money, Tom's Detot, and Improbable, that next tier of horses. But make sure to include the 11, Lord Guinness, and some of your exotics. The 10th race, look at the seven. Oxide in here. Y- you just have some some speed on the cutback. I like both of his last two races. The the turf race at Gulfstream 2-back was actually really solid all as well, so give Oxide a look in here. He could be really tough to catch if he's able to get out front and uh, and slow things down. And then in the uh, in the Oaklawn um, Basin for me with uh, with Tyshawn. And then if you're looking for the price, maybe Coach Bahe. So I would be one eight two there. And then to close things out in race number twelve, um, the number nine, Cashinova. He. I'm making weird noises, right? He, I'm like trying to trying to formulate a thought in here. So he's gonna go second start off the long layoff, and in in his last start he was bumped at the start. He ended up last, and he he didn't seem to be going over the track all that well. But he you know, he was maybe 20 lengths out of it early on, like 18 to 20 lengths. He started to roll from the back. He was absolutely flying. And he doesn't have to be so far back. I think some of that had to do with the slop. He was maybe just 
outrun a little bit. He hadn't run it since May of 2019. Another who should really, really improve with the race under his belt. That is Kasha Nova there, the number nine. So I'll run through one more time of uh, Oaklawn, some of the, the horses we like. Um, the second Miss Imperial, not something that I would bet a whole lot on. And same thing in the third, Skull Factor, Violent Pass, you know, in there. Uh, like the one, Cleon Jones in the fourth. The fifth race, uh, the 12 Cynical Girl with the 10 Nasty. The sixth, uh, we'll go with number five, Sixto. God, that's a weird one, right? In the sixth, we're going with the number five, Sixto. In the seventh, we're going with the 10 Shaka. The eighth, the number nine, Proverb. Uh, the price of the 11, Lord Guinness in the 9th. The 10th race, the 7, Oxide in the 11th. Basin with uh, Tyshawn and uh, maybe Coach Bai underneath. And then in the 12th race, Cash Anova on what looks like a great card on Saturday over at Oaklawn Park. Let's move on to an interview. We're going to talk with Don August. We're going to recap WrestleMania. It was two nights for the first time this year. We go through all the matches. We give some of our thoughts. Enjoy this WrestleMania recap. Okay, we got a first-time guest on uh, the show right now, and very happy to introduce Don August. I've been talking with Don uh, over the last couple months online more. So we talked racing, sports, um, got involved in some pools, um, playing the bowl games and other stuff too, and uh, and now WrestleMania season. So we have to talk a little WrestleMania. But uh, Don, when I bring you in, uh, thanks for joining us, and why don't you uh, introduce everyone out there to uh, to you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Gino, for having me. My name is Don August, and I'm from Northern California, where I spent all my life until the last two years. Where I came down here to Southern California, uh, the last ten years I was a jockey agent at Golden Gate Fields. And I really enjoyed that, but kind of needed a new change in my life. So I moved down here to Los Angeles and started working at Santa Anita Racetrack, Del Mar, and Los Alamitos and in the racing office. Wanted to get on the other side of the, of the counter this time, which I did, and I'm enjoying that immensely, uh, except for the last uh, few months, which we've had a little slowdown here in the racing business, yeah. but we're still there waiting for it to come back. And uh, now I'm just enjoying what I do, uh, working with the trainers and the racing officials in a different capacity. Okay, so you know we'll have you back sometime to talk racing stuff and uh, and other things. But this has been a big week for for WWE because this is WrestleMania season, and this was one that's unlike any other. Before we get into the specifics of this WrestleMania, what what's your wrestling fandom been like? You know, tell us a little bit about your history as a wrestling fan. The first time I remember watching wrestling was when Rocky Johnson and Pat Patterson were a tag team, <laughs> nice. and they jumped out of the crowd. And I was I was a friend's house. I remember this. I jumped out of the crowd. The masked invaders were wrestling. I don't know who they were wrestling, but they tore them up. They tore their masks off. Tore their clothes up. And Rocky Johnson was one of the, my favorite wrestlers of all time when I was growing up. So I watched wrestling for quite a while after that. And then actually, the last five years, I actually got out of it a little bit. Just kind of got into other things, got back into it about two or three years ago and saw these people I did not even remember from when I stopped watching it the first time. But now I've gotten back into it bigger than ever the last couple of years and I'm ready to talk WrestleMania. Yeah, and, and so, you know, there were obviously a lot of mixed uh, feelings going into this WrestleMania because of everything going on in the world. And this is this was going to be one that was a lot different. It was going to be at the Performance Center um, where they have NXT and it was going to be... A WrestleMania with no fans, and so we 
we wondered if WWE was going to get a little bit creative or we're going to do things differently. And they they really did. They tried some things here. I think there were a couple matches that we're going to discuss that were very polarizing. A lot of people liked what they tried. Some people thought it was awful because it wasn't wrestling. But uh, overall, I thought the, the two nights were were pretty good. You know, there were you know, and, and watching it back even um, again in the last couple days since the show, I there wasn't a whole lot of bad. You know, Don, that I, I thought there was I thought even the things that maybe weren't as good as they could have been They didn't deliver, they still weren't really bad What were kind of your overall big picture thoughts on the show? Well, you know, I thought I thought they did a great job for what they had to deal with And there was yep. a lot of talk beforehand but would, would they do it? Would they go off with it? Would they postpone it? What, you know, how would the matches come across with no crowd and, and trying to be this huge thing? But I think that they went out of the box with a few matches they, the wrestlers, I thought, gave 110%. It's almost like you knew that you didn't know that there was no crowd there the way they acted, which yep. is not easy to do when you go out there and you're are by yourself in the biggest event of your and season. And probably deflating for some of them, you know, right? Expecting to get the big pop. This is the night for some of these wrestlers. It was supposed to be their big crowning moment, and there's no one there. And I never. I didn't get the, the sense from anyone that they were really like, like mailing it or phoning it in, you know? Not at all. I mean, the way that when a couple of the tag match, when a couple of the title matches that. Changed hands. They looked at the titles like there was a crowd cheering behind yep. them. Yep. You know, which was I thought was was hard to do, but I think they did a great job at at selling the fact that they were really into the moment, no matter what was going on around them. So we kicked things kicked off on night one, and yeah, for the first time ever, this was two nights, and this uh, the format, especially. I, I hope they kind of do this moving forward again, and and, I'm, and they'll have to, you know, probably set the the cards a little bit earlier for night one and night two, or or whatever they're going to do, but. This felt so much better Some nights when, and I love wrestling You love wrestling, but some nights when it gets to Five, six, seven hours for one show It just can't help but drag in certain spots Some matches kind of get forgotten about They get kind of blown right over This felt much better, I think With the format of two nights, it felt like Everybody really kind of got their opportunity To go for a while here It did, and they 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 did the cuts to the interviews At the perfect times Yep, You, know, they, you were waiting for the next match to come on When it came on, it wasn't like you were you're waiting, okay, well, my, my the big match is going to be in four hours from now So I'm going to go grab something to eat now Or I'm going to watch this later on It was, it flowed real good the way it, they did it It did, they booked the show really, really well It was timed out really, really, really well Um, I, I just, it, it wasn't hard to watch Um, either way And that just makes, makes you feel better Doesn't leave a sour taste in your mouth Um, right. so, so let's get into uh, night one And it was, uh, the, the kickoff show uh, We had a match with, uh, with Gulag versus Cesaro Did you catch the kickoff show match? I did, and I was a little surprised that that uh, Cesaro won because you know they they had this faction with with Sami Zayn and, and Cesaro and mm-hmm. Shinsuke, and it was start out real hot, and then all of a sudden they started losing lately, and you kind of thought they were building up Gulak with with Daniel Bryan a lot. And yeah. Cesaro came up with this incredible no handed airplane swing for the pin, which is a movie I'd never seen before. And guys, uh, it was yeah, a great finish. These guys are good. It was a good finish. And it was, you know, for like a four minute match, it was really solid. And it was just starting to pick up a little bit too and get to like another gear. So, you know, at some point, if, if these guys were able to get a, a little bit more time, I'm sure it could be even better. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. So, yeah, not a, not a bad start and just like a fun kickoff match to kind of get the, oh, yeah. the get everybody's uh, attention here as we got into, um, you know, the opening package for. For WrestleMania, first we get Stephanie McMahon, and and she's talking about how this is going to be a little bit different. She comes out and speaks about how there are not going to be any fans there. She just kind of sets what sets up the night, and then I the, on night one we got this uh, video package that cut together all of the um, or a lot of different 
um, folks who sang America the Beautiful at previous yes. WrestleManias, and then I thought this was excellent. It's it was really well done. It was great, and people who had never maybe had seen WrestleManias before got an idea of how big of a thing it was by yep. watching all the stars that were there in the past and what they did for that. Yeah, I kind of got chills watching it. it it's like a, a, a you know a, a trip through through our pasts of all these different WrestleManias, and then it was like a a Jack Sparrow like pirate themed voice opening that had narrated the package for WrestleMania, which was unfortunate because it was supposed to be you know a all pirate kind of theme because it was going to be at Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah, Stadium, right. and uh, now they're in the uh, now they're in the performance center. So it, you I, know, I was I was kind of surprised they kind of kept that theme going. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Stuff built up ahead of time, probably and filmed ahead of time, but yep. And they, they probably kept, just they, figured, yeah, kept the yeah. logos up and everything beforehand. I thought, oh, they're going to change this, but they didn't. But uh, you know, it, it still worked. Um, we get to Gronk, who's the host of the show, and the host of these mania shows don't really do a whole heck of a lot. They appear maybe once or twice, you know, throughout the show, say a couple things. And Gronk, he's goofy, man. He's he. He's he's good in a in a in a, um uh, when there's a lot of people around I think to feed off of and and but he's not necessarily just the best at cutting a promo I mean he just flubs some easy words sometimes but he's a ball of energy and he's definitely bringing some eyeballs to the WWE. He is just so entertaining to watch no matter what he does you know he's just, <laughs> he just got eliminated from the mass Singer the week before that you know he was he was doing the singing and, and with a costume on and the guy just has no limits to what he can do out there and just entertains no matter what he does he's he's great to watch he is and and you know what he he could be fun um when they use him in the right role i thought the next night too cuz he he looks like he's willing to maybe uh, to maybe take some chances here and, and to really have some fun with this so well, he was in uh, wrestlemania before you know yeah he was yeah. in a match before so he's in his blood and he's they talked about signing him going forward for a contract so i when think he, there's probably a lot more yeah, and he's he's a like sometimes we see celebrity interactions too and stuff. He's definitely a wrestling fan um, because of of Mojo Rawley, who's his good buddy, oh, yeah. and so he's yeah. you know that's one of his best friends. He's always been around to support him. Showed up at a lot of the shows. Showed up and and you know he he cut in one of his promos on SmackDown a few weeks ago how like he's been to to really small house shows you know just to go support the guys a lot of the time because because that's his friend. So yeah, he's not he's not bullshitting you know either when he's uh, when he's out here. Um, yeah, so he he loves being out there. Yeah, he, he enjoys it. He just likes to perform and he likes to be out there He has a good time no matter what he does So I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing where they go with Gronk Moving forward Got a this title now so you never know <laughs> Yeah yeah you're right he's uh, he's going to be we'll around with that here. 24-7 title Which we'll talk about from night two yeah. Where he uh, he jumped off the, the barricade um, <laughs> So this was a good A good women's tag match to start It was uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross Versus Asuka and Kyrie Sane um, Michael Cole and JBL Were calling the action out here uh, this this match went about 15 minutes or so, and uh, we get an Alexa, Alexa Bliss. Alexa hit the twisted Bliss. She kind of botched it a little bit. She hit it on the on the legs there for the finish. Yeah. But it was it was a good little combination with Nikki. They were really selling the fact that Nikki was the announcers were that she was rising to the occasion in this match. And all four of these ladies are really good workers. Um, I, I figured this would be a good match, and this was pretty solid. They, I mean, they they got a lot of a lot of time here, and it wasn't. Boring or anything, it, it went pretty well. It was a very good match. You know, um, Alexa Bliss was was the focal point of the match. She took a lot of punishment throughout the match, but she kept going. And you know, you, you kind of forgot about those two for a while before yep. just just kind of brought back into it, like a week before WrestleMania. Like you, they had no chance for a 
for a title match. And all of a sudden, boom, there they were. But they've always been very, very prominent on the women's scene. And their their interviews are great. And I like the two of them together. I always thought they would go against each other eventually. But yeah, they, I like the seemed, friends that they have going now. So. I agree. They have some chemistry. And I think maybe they realize that. Because it seems so obvious that Alexa would just kind of turn on them. But I think they kind of like Alexa in this, like... You know quasi baby face role And she's kind of becoming that she's really kind of fun She's just goofy you know if you Follow Alexa online and stuff too you can see She's like big into Disney and and characters And she's really like funny and she's really like A a little kid so she's kind of If you know her she's actually Really easy baby face but she just played that role Of the heel so well for you know For so long it was hard to take her out of it And um, yeah she's just a really Good performer all the way around and She's, uh, you know, I, when, whenever she's out there, I'm definitely paying attention. She does a good job, and they both did a really good job here. As we uh, we moved on to a backstage interview with uh, Sami Zayn with his little faction that you just mentioned, Cesaro and Nakamura, and uh, he's confident that he's going to beat Daniel Bryan, which we get a, a match from them later on. But this was, I mean, not a whole lot, just kind of a pretty basic promo from Sami as the heel. Sami is great with the promos, you know. I mean, oh man! First of all, he's got so the best easily. entrance music in the world. I think I love he's his song. Easily, yeah. And just the way he come when he comes down to the matches from on the ramp to the song, dancing and falling all around, just cracked me up every time I watched him. So the guy is just made to be on on screen. He's just great to watch. We also see uh, Shayna Baszler warming up for uh, her match a little bit later on. Uh, we then get Elias versus Baron Corbin Corbin's out there cutting a promo He says you know Elias is nowhere to be found After he attacked uh, Elias last week He's not even going to be able to show up And then Elias does in fact Show up he comes down uh, He comes down and he's playing The guitar obviously And uh, then immediately You get a guitar smash and then things Start to ramp up this match Went uh, about nine Minutes or so and you know what um, at the end, uh, Corbin was trying to cheat using his feet on the ropes. He was arguing with the ref, and then Elias took advantage and rolls up Corbin for the pin. I was a little surprised. We j- Elias just doesn't win a whole lot of matches. He doesn't really oh. even have a whole lot of matches anymore. <laughs> you know, Some people went on Twitter right after that and said, "When's the last time Elias won a match?" You when know? have we heard this music at the end? You know what I mean? Like we did. Yeah, it's good. No, I mean I, this is where I actually thought that Gronk would jump in because him, yes. him and Corbin started that they little fact thing up. the night before. Almost seemed like they're setting up a match. And then Elias came out and they threw Elias off the stage before, and that's what set this up. But I thought Gronk might steal it and get in this match somehow. But you know, Corbin, ever since he won the King of the Ring, he's he's been uh, you know not not much of a winner. He's lost a lot of all his matches to you know to everybody he's gone against. So I'm I'm kind of surprised they had him lose to Elias, but they must be setting something up. Yeah, um, we then get a video package setting up the raw women's title match Shayna versus Becky Becky comes out in her 18 wheeler uh, she's got the big rig and she hops out and makes her entrance comes into the into the ring and you know when I watched this th- this one went 8:30 and um it was back and forth and Becky was looking like she was starting to get to the point where Shayna had uh, had the advantage and she kind of maneuvered into a, a three like uh, roll up out of nowhere for the pin. She was it was a good counter. Eight at eight thirty, Becky gets the win, and we could see Shayna was kind of you know shocked and like obviously yeah. pissed off that she it wasn't like a definitive win or anything. And what we've seen the next couple nights following, it, it doesn't seem like this feud is is necessarily over. And so then like looking back at it and knowing what we know now, I'm more okay with it. I think I was just expecting a little bit more out of this match because 
like I, I thought this was even one of the matches they th- they would have maybe thought about putting on towards the end and and going a lot longer than this. But it, it felt like this wasn't the end of the feud. It felt like this was kind of just the start of the feud. And the when I watched it back again too, I did think. It was solid for what it was. I just was, I wanted it to get to the another level that it didn't. I was expecting more too. And I think that the way they finished it with ba- with Baszler getting pinned in that fashion, you know, she can't come out all beh- ahead of time as being this, um, un- this, this destroyer that she was, seemed like she was, and then get trashed in the, in the match. It would just totally kill what they had going for her. So having mm-hmm. this quick roll up pin was, that you were talked about was like, Okay, yeah, it was a pin, but it wasn't definitive pin. So now Baszler can still come out and be a monster that they want her to be because it was like a fluke thing. So I think that's the way they're setting it up for a lot more matches between those two coming up. Yep. Uh, up next, we get the Intercontinental Championship match: Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn. And you mentioned Sami Zayn just doing some great heel work. Uh, we also saw Mojo and uh, and Rob um, Gronk up in the uh, the perch, just kind of watching and uh, and getting pumped up for Daniel Bryan when he came out. So um, Gulak was with D. Bryan, and then uh, Nakamura and Cesaro were with Sami Zayn. And Sammy's just doing all the great heel stuff at the beginning, like ducking out of the ring, running around, <laughs> trying to like chase Daniel, uh, have Daniel Bryan chase him right into Nakamura and Cesaro. Really good stuff. And uh, we eventually get to the point where you know Daniel Bryan um, kind of just tells Gulak, "Hey, let Sammy Zayn walk back down down to the down to the the locker room. It's fine." And as Sammy starts to to run, Bryan just. Guns it after him <laughs> Guns it right after him Grabs him <laughs> Throws him back in the ring And then From then on it, When when Debray was on offense And even some of Sammy's like counters And that few minutes Like about of five, The whole thing uh, Ended up being 920 About mm-hmm. the last five minutes or so It was really Really good and hard hitting I'll tell you, Daniel Bryan's one of the best technical wrestlers you're ever going to see in the yep. ring. And Sami Zayn's a lot better than people give him credit for because before he was a manager and when he was wrestling, he was losing a lot, but he was still a, a lot of entertaining matches. So you put those two together, and I'm sure that they knew what they, they could do to, with each other. And like to the last four or five minutes, there was a lot of good wrestling matches and good holds. It was excellent. Sammy actually hits a – Daniel Bryan's kind of like a little distracted. Sammy hits the – a, a, Daniel comes off the top rope and Sammy hits like a, a huluva kick to get the uh, the pin, um, and Sammy gets the win at nine twenty to retain the IC title. But I think Daniel Bryan's having kind of a lot of fun with these guys. I think he really likes working with this group. He's been in the main event title back and forth, and, and he'll be there again at some point. But I think he enjoys working with this group of really good workers. Like all five of these guys uh, that are on both sides can really go in the ring. Kind of makes you wonder what they're going to do with those five next, you know, yeah, yeah, matches or whether it's going to be more solo matches because they've been pitting them against each other quite a bit lately, solo wise, you know, but but they are a tag team group, so we'll see what they do. This next match was really, really good. Um, before we get to it though, I always think it's funny when they have to do something like this when it's a triple threat. Tag team championship match with no tag teams, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, know. <laughs> and uh, it's fine by me. The match quality was great. We got three good workers, and we understand why Miz was sick, and and they ended up, you know, um, um, you know, being being uh, cautious right now and this time in era for sure. But these guys can go. 
uh, all three of them. I I really even like the spot right at the off the bat where it's like they all kind of went at each other real quick, and everybody kind of it was like a stalemate. It was like everybody was kind of ready for each other, and there there were some really really great spots in this match. Um, it, they all took a beating in here. They all got some great offense in at the very end. They were all up there, the three of them um, battling for the for the uh, the belts and. They unclipped the the holder of the belt, and they're they're struggling, they're battling, and Morrison gets knocked off the uh, the the ladder. Uh, Kofi and uh, and Jimmy Uso are are kind of holding, still holding the the title holder, but Morrison had grabbed the belts when he falls back onto the ladder. It was kind of a unique spot. These guys, I mean, this was great. This went eighteen minutes and thirty seconds. If there was a crowd there. This would have been tearing the place down. The crowd would have been going absolutely crazy because it's hard nowadays in these ladder matches to do things that we haven't seen before. But with Morrison and his kind of unique offense, with Kofi and he can do whatever, and with with Jimmy Uso who is a uh, you know obviously like unbelievably athletic, these guys went at it, man. This was a great match. If there was a crowd, there would have been a lot of this is awesome chance going. Oh on. yeah. Oh yeah. See now, John Morrison is a guy who came. Well, I didn't really know him before I started watching recently. Before he came back again, I, he was he was there when I was not watching wrestling very yeah. much. But he's really good in the ring, and I didn't realize how good he was. But to put those three guys together in the ladder match, that obviously they knew exactly what they could do. And when they grabbed the titles all together, I thought they were going to ring the bell and say they were, you know, they couldn't determine a winner. Yeah, and then that was going to make another whole. Rivalry come out of that through But to have them fall off with the titles Was a very unique inning I did not see that coming But it actually worked the way it was Having the two guys at the top of the ladder Staring at each other like What what the heck just happened Yeah so this was this was a blast If you're someone who hasn't watched Mania Or you kind of like to go back and and pick and choose Like really good matches At the Daniel Bryan match Is when I feel like this show really started to pick up Especially like towards the end of that that match And then you have this This match was really good Um and then we get to uh, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, another you know match that was excellent. It was, it was back and forth. It was really good. And then Rollins grabbed the bell, uh, the timekeeper's bell, and he you know he hit Owens with it, and the ref calls the match by a DQ. And if it would have ended there, it just would have been fine. It would have been okay, not bad, not anything. But Kevin Owens grabs the microphone and he calls out Rollins and he says, "You know what? It's not going to end this way." And he says, "Rollins, you're a little bitch." And he calls him back to the ring and he says, "We're going to finish this one and for all. No DQ, no rules. Uh, come on, let's do it." You know, and and so they restart the match. No DQ, and then things really, really start to pick up, and we get an unbelievable spot where Kevin Owens climbs up on top of the big WrestleMania sign that they have set up there on the entrance way, and, and this thing is way up there. He does a huge Santon to put Rollins through the announce table. And I mean, this was a big bump. He gets him back in the ring, drops him with the stunner, gets the win at 17 20 uh, overall. And after the restart, um, really, really good stuff. And even before it wasn't bad, it was fine, but it was obviously building up to this point. Yeah, I was I was a little surprised that they actually restarted the match because I thought it was going to end that way, and I thought Kevin would get on the microphone like he always does and, and call him out, and that would be set up another match for coming up for the, in the future. But the, uh, Owens had his, his WrestleMania moment. I mean, he he they were talking about it. He never had one before, and to go off that sign with with the arm uh, the arm drop like he did was just incredible to see from every angle the camera had it on. 
Yeah, you mentioned the the build to this match was a lot about WrestleMania moments, you know, and that at Rollins has had a bunch of them, and that Owens hasn't, and he struggled, and so it was it was played out perfectly, and it and it paid off really really well, which is something they always used to do at WrestleMania, but in the last few years they kind of haven't. Even with like the Becky Shayna thing, it felt like. WrestleMania used to be the time when everything kind of culminated, and now it's harder to do that because they have so much continuing programming that it's like you can't really have every storyline completely ending all at the same time and all starting again at the next time. They're all kind of in flux. So uh, this was this was perfect. I I loved everything about this. This was really really good, and it gives Kevin Owens like a nice little shot in the arm now moving forward. It's almost like uh, the end of the season when WrestleMania hits because then you can like you said start all your storylines over again, but. Some of them will stop, and some of them are going to are going to be built from these matches. Yep, yep. So we get to Gronk and uh, Mojo one more time. They're interrupted by r Truth, the twenty four seven champion. He's talking about how his life is miserable. He never gets the rest. He never gets to sleep. He's always uh, having to defend this title. And um, he asks Mojo and Gronk if he can hide out there with them. And they kind of look at each other. And Gronk goes for the pin And uh, he he wants to win the 24-7 title But Mojo robs him Steals the pin, gets the title Mojo celebrates and Gronk's all upset So we have uh, We know that, that Gronk is obviously Trying to get this 24-7 title now Just a, a small inter- little interaction But it's these kind of things that get shown All over ESPN, SportsCenter, Fox Sports Especially right now when there's not a whole lot of sports going on how good is our truth when he says what kind of title he has? The twenty four seven seven eleven. I mean, he just goes on. I think he adds things He's every time he says. So it. underrated, yeah, so underrated, I mean, and this is a great role for him I with, that, it, that, with this role, title. This whole title to me, I mean, it gets way out of hand sometimes. When sure, they, sure. They're doing it at weddings and you know, but just the the characters that they bring into this championships are just incredible. I mean, our truth is fantastic to watch. Mojo, when he had it, he brought it to a different level where you know it, it's going to challenge anybody and every time everybody, but. Uh, they're going to just have fun with this title and just keep doing weird things with it. And people are going to love it. So, uh, up next, uh, Paul Heyman uh, cuts a promo. He hypes up the uh, the Lesnar match against Drew McIntyre for night two, and they go through the card for night two, and then we get to the Universal Title match. And this match was, I will say, I, I I'm glad that it was quick and, and it was just in and out. I just they didn't do a really good job when we found out that Roman Reigns was not going to be in this match. This was a universal title match that was supposed to be Roman Reigns versus Bill Goldberg. Completely understand why Roman Reigns isn't there. He's someone who has had leukemia. He he thought he you know did uh, didn't want to be in, a, in an environment like this. He thought it was safer to not even chance it. Completely understand. I just we could have gotten even literally even if that was what was said. Everybody knows what's going on. I know they don't want they don't they don't want to like fog uh, fog the um, you know the the lines that much between reality and but even any if anything at all was said, why Roman Reigns wasn't here? He suffered an injury. Roman Reigns suffered an injury training for this match. He's going to be out. He could literally be sitting on his couch and just cut a two twenty second promo. I mean, and they even had, they even had Triple H come out. You know, a couple of days before it says it will be explained and it will make total in sense. a unique way. He said in and he said something way. like yeah. I'm not going to yeah. give away the ending of the movie. He he totally made it seem like they were going to have some kind of an angle. Us as wrestling fans, we don't need a lot. We just need like a small this is why. And then boom, it's like, okay, they told us that was why this part of it, boom, we move on. But when they don't give you anything like that, it's like, where was Roman Reigns? Like if you're just a young on the screen, this is the match, you know. That was yeah. the only way they told you. 
And, and if you're younger, if you're a kid or something, and you're a big Roman Reigns fan, you have no idea. Like we obviously know a little bit more. We're on Twitter. We're in the bubble with when it comes to wrestling stuff. We're reading, you know, a lot of the blogs and different things here and there. But I just, I didn't like that they could have, they didn't do anything more to let us know why this match was taking place. And um, in and it's fine, you know. You want to, you, they wanted to get the the belt off Goldberg. This was supposed to be where Roman was going to win, and they give it to Braun, which is fine. Braun has a built-in feud with Roman already, so whenever Roman comes back and they they start, you can immediately kind of go into that feud, which is fine. But uh, this was literally two minutes and ten seconds. Um, this the next shortest match on the night was that pre-show match at four minutes, and then everything else was like pretty solid into the like nine ten minute. Range. Um, this was literally just finisher, finisher, finisher. Goldberg hit what three four, spears? Four spears and five slams. Is what it was. Yep, that's literally what it was. And Braun Strowman's your new Universal more, Champion. That's what you expect with Goldberg. I mean, it's always going to do a spear. You know, you use your spears and it's over. But you, you, you knew that it was hard to beat Strowman with with the spear. So, yeah, I, I was disappointed the way they built it up too. Um, I'm, I have no problem with Strowman winning. And I, I liked him when he won the last title. And I didn't like it when he lost it. But uh, they rewarded him by giving him this one, so we'll see where they go with it. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with Strowman here. I just same kind of thing. It's just I, I didn't like how they got to here. But you know what? It was at least it was quick. It wasn't bad. It was just boom, 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 boom. Get it done, and then we and then we move on. So new uh, new Universal Champion Braun Strowman. Um, up next, we got a promo for WrestleMania 37, which is actually in Los Angeles, and and then uh, then we get. The Boneyard match which I think there are Two matches that everybody's talking about Coming out of the Wrestlemania weekend and they were both These matches that were very very Different um, this one Was was a match It was filmed Like a movie it really looked like Kind of like an 80s horror movie I thought it was I, I liked it a lot I thought it was Really really well done it was different It worked so well for the Undertaker and his character because he's getting a little bit older. You know, we 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 don't really want to see the Undertaker go 20, 25 minutes in the ring anymore. It drags a little bit. He kind of misses his spots here and there. They were able to film this, edit this. Um, I read that they filmed it basically overnight entirely one evening with uh, with AJ and uh, and the Undertaker. This thing was. Awesome. I mean, there was shit talking all over. They were literally out in a in like a, a cemetery like area. Um, we, we got just a brawl. It wasn't a, a wrestling match. It was a brawl out there. And the the best parts of this were the just the little things that they were saying to each other. Undertaker calling him Alan and AJ. You know, I dug your grave. And this, I, I liked everything about this. We got some interaction from Gallows and Anderson. The Druids came in. And um, at the end, it looked like AJ had the advantage on the Undertaker. I mean, they're beating each other, throwing each other onto cars. There's a tractor. All these d- graves are, are dug. I mean, I'm not going to give it do, do it justice trying to explain yeah. this entire yeah. thing. This is one of those things you have to go back and watch. And it's a good. Uh, it's just under 20 minutes. Um, we get a little bit of the the mystic Undertaker power stuff at the end, but there wasn't a whole lot of that throughout. It was more. You know, just just a, a beating outside, and it was really, really well done. Uh, what did you think of this of this boneyard match? You're saying it was uh, under under 20 minutes, but we could have gone another five or six minutes and be happy with it. You know? We would have loved it. it. Yep. too long. And the, the thing was, you mentioned about 
the the pre-taping and, and the editing and everything, it took like over eight and a half hours or say they said to film the match. So yep. in that sense, you could give Undertaker time to to take breaks and, and be at his best. Because I said having him go for a 20 or 25 minute match, you know, at his age and, and he can't do that anymore. But to to film it and cut it and look at it and see what they can do. They made it look perfect. I thought it was it was great from start to finish. You know, it kept my interest the whole time. The music in the background was perfect. And, you know, you kept waiting for police to drive up. It was that realistic where you yeah. thought it was like a movie you were talking about. But when the great Undertaker came out of the grave and was standing behind AJ on the on the on the forklift or whatever, that that was that was an incredible scene just to, to get the feeling of what, you know, you'd be like in a real graveyard. And all of a sudden this guy shows up behind you is. I thought I thought the match was perfect. I don't think it could have gone any better, and, and it's gotten a lot of accolades since then from a lot of people around the world too. Yeah, and this is something if they do it, we don't want to overdo it. You know, if you can do this like maybe one a couple times a year for in particular this style. Maybe for right now it's just Undertaker matches. You know, and he could do matches this way for a while now because it's, like you said it's not going to drag in the ring with the way they were able to cut and edit they film this over a long period of time he can continue to take a little break let's film this scene boom you come over here for 30 seconds and then you're good like he can be at his best i could see him doing this style match for a while we're already hearing a lot of old wrestlers like Mick Foley right away was well, like hey i want i want this yeah <laughs> Can you imagine Cactus Jack in one of those matches oh yeah that would be unbelievable so uh yeah this is definitely something in a metal metal yard or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is something that I think they. Uh, I feel like they hit a home run w- with this one, and you know, overall, when we look back, especially the the second half of of night one, it was really good. And for me, when I watch any of these shows, it's more of I don't need everything to hit a home run. I just don't want there to be a lot of bad, and there was not a lot of bad on this show. No, any good show you wanted to build to a climax, and they did a good job at getting the good matches at the end, which of course you you strive for, but that doesn't always work that way. But in this case, it really worked, and, and it, even though it got off to a little bit of a slow start, they had the, the women's tag match at the beginning, which was one of the better matches. Then it got a little slower in the middle, and then got it real good again at the end. So it was really good planning by them. Let's move to night two, where we uh, had uh, the kickoff match of uh, Natalia versus Liv Morgan. And you know what, Nat- Natty's really good in the ring She's like Brett, like the hearts She's just a good worker She's always going to get a solid match out of everyone out of anyone. Um, I think these two knew They were just going to be going like 5-6 minutes And so they went, they worked pretty hard And it was not a bad match to get things started Finished at 6-25 Liv Morgan actually gets the win And um, this is a big one for her She just She's got a little bit of a tweak in her look recently She's someone who A few years ago you could tell They were really high on her when she was in NXT and um, she was like a real spunky baby face, kind of wearing Jordans, and and um, she's come a long way in her work and her look since then too. And um, you know, this was a fine way to get things started. I really hope they, they had, about six months ago they had a lot of strong women in their division, and then over the time it's just going down just a few of them they actually could win their titles, and a lot of them kind of went into different directions with their storylines. They weren't getting much action on on Raw and SmackDown. It looks like they're trying to get more of the women involved again in some bigger matches, so that you get some some role going on some of them. And I think that's what they did with with her, and maybe getting get her a little push that would be good. And uh, then we got to the 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 show, and 
It was the same like opening Stephanie came out again with a little opening package And um, then we got the same Pirate themed uh, video Gronkowski came in and welcomed us again um, Very similar to night one uh, But we kicked off this match With uh, this actual main card Of Wrestlemania night two With Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley um, This match was Awesome I absolutely Loved it um, I'm a big Charlotte fan and uh, I've, I've been a big Rhea Ripley fan since she debuted a couple years ago in, in one of the tournaments um, in NXT, the Mae Young Classic. And she, you could tell right away she kind of had the look that Vince would like. She was tall. She could go. She looked good. She And she, was, she just ha- has it, whatever that it is. These yeah. two went at it. This was – I loved it. Um, I, I had a couple people sending me messages saying they thought this was the best women's match they ever, they've ever seen. And I think – there were probably ones when you stop and think and make lists that were better, but I think it shows you how good this match was to where some people that don't watch a lot of women's matches had could at, you could at least put this in the conversation and have a conversation with it. I loved it. It went back and forth, and I can't wait to see these two get back in the ring again. Yeah, I think it was Ripley's coming out moment because people who really yep. didn't see her very much in NXT, she sold this match perfectly. Looked like she was in a lot of pain. I mean, she really every 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 hit she took from from Charlotte looked like it was a devastating blow, and she just she battled on. It was a, a long match, as you mentioned, which was really good, and and she got a, she had a tap out, which is it was an okay ending because you know she didn't get pinned and she didn't you know get devastated. It shows that she can compete with Charlotte and be right there with her all the way through. And I think they got big plans for her coming up because I'd like to see her more more action from her. And I, some people were upset that. That Charlotte won this match and she lost And I think a lot of that had to do with You you hit it I don't I don't think And it may have been because of What's happened the last few weeks And because of the shows having been different And the virus and everything going on She hasn't really been built enough To the mainstream WWE audience To get this win quite yet And if if she gets the win over Charlotte right now Who you know many people talk about as the best women's wrestler of all time And she'll probably go down At least in the conversation There, Then kind of What else do you have to, to go for You know At that point So I think this worked out great This is one of those things Where you're a star in defeat As much as you are In winning this match I, I thought both women Came out of this match Incredible And I, I just I can't wait to see Where they're going with, with both Because Rhea is a, is a star And, and, and I'm, I'm big on Charlotte She really steps up In like these big match situations And I also heard afterward You know how true it is But you know, with the break possibly coming up, we're not sure how much you're going to get from wrestling for the next two months until the crowds start coming back. But they wanted a lot of baby faces to have the titles so and, they can go around and do the tours and do the interviews. And, and Charlotte is Miss WWE, you know, so she would be the perfect one to go around right now being the NXT champion and, and do all the interviews for everybody and, and get all the accolades and everything when Rhea Ripley, nobody really knows her that well to be the face for, for WWE right now. Yep. This was this was fun. I, I and this was a great start. They went 20 minutes and 30 seconds here. A really good good way to kick off the show. Up next we have Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley. This one kind of came out of nowhere. There were a few matches on the card that are kind of random, and I think a lot of that had to do with, hey, we're at the performance center right now. We're gonna just tape this match because these matches were all taped early. We're gonna just tape this match and put it on WrestleMania because you guys are here right now, and we don't know what the travel situation is going to be like coming up. So it was smart to to do that with a few of these matches. This was one of them. Uh, this match ended up going seven minutes and twenty seconds. Both of these guys can hit. They can take hits. They can go at it. Um, there were some some really good strikes in here, and this was solid. It was solid for a seven minute match. 
Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with Bobby Lashley. They've been kind of up and down with him you know, in his storyline yes. and everything, especially with Lana. And and she's a big wrestler now. She hasn't been uh, wrestling much and everything. But I, they're setting up a divorce angle. You can probably see that coming. But Aleister Black is is one of the prime guys. He's just has on only lost what two matches since he's been in WWE. Yep. We kind of figured that, you know, he was going to win the match, but I always like watching, watching Lashley out there. So there was a good, good little match for the two of them. Even though it wasn't very long. Yeah. They're kind of waiting for the right moment to, to push the button with Alistair black there. And what they're doing with him, I'm f- it's better doing what they're doing with him than to put you into a storyline and then th- th- where they don't have really a, a plan for it and then end up having you lose and get shuffled back down. You're seeing him on TV every week. He's in a lot of these squash matches or he's in matches where you know he's able to showcase his his move set and kind of get people the opportunity to get to know him a little bit. And I like this build when they do this with guys like they did it with Ryback a few years back. They did it with Braun Strowman even when he was kind of just beating the jobbers and the enhancement talent. For a little while it, it keeps you on TV I mean you can't do it forever But you can do it for a while To keep you out there And keep letting people see you And kind of They don't think of you In a in a negative Or um, an unimportant type way Right Remember when he first came to WWE From NXT He was with Ricochet In a tag yeah. team Yeah and, mm-hmm. and he got hurt And then they went off with single, Singles with Ricochet And made him You know Made his run While Oscar Black was hurt Now when Black came back He's come back as this unbeatable force, which, you know, he's a great wrestler in the ring. They've only had him lose a couple of times with some key people, but I, obviously you can tell you he, he's titled for, title destined. I mean, he's going to win a title somewhere down the line, which I'm not sure which one it is. We then get to uh, Michael Cole, JBL, um, and uh, up next it's oh Gron- Gronk's on the perch with Caruso, uh, Charlie Caruso. He says he wouldn't mind winning the WWE 24/7 title before the night is over. So uh, we know that's going to happen at some point later on in the show. And then uh, we get Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Dolph Ziggler comes out with Sonya Deville, and this was this just reminded me of something from like the late 80s, early 90s. It was a lot of fun. It was corny, you know. It's the whole angle with uh, Otis is the big guy who's got a crush on Mandy, and um, but Mandy was kind of interested in Dolph, and then we find out all along it was kind of Sonya that was that was pu- uh, pushing that narrative. Mandy actually does like Otis a little bit. She comes out in the match, helps Otis, gets the save. She ends up uh, hitting Dolph Ziggler in the nuts, and Dolph goes down. Otis gets the win. He gets the girl. He gets the kiss. This was a lot of fun. It was totally predictable, but still fun to watch. You know, I mean, you knew you knew after the the, the video package the night before they found out what really happened. You knew she was going to come out and she was going to save him. You knew he was going to win. You knew he was going to get the girl. It was still great the way they did it, and just great to, to see that actually happen. In fact, the two of them went on Instagram together yesterday. I didn't get a chance to see it, but they were live together on Instagram, uh, Mandy and, and Otis, kind of keeping the, the 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 premise alive that they're actually going to be a couple for a while. And this, yeah, this should be fun. Vince is always uh, there's always been rumors that Vince likes Mandy a lot. He likes her look. He's really high on her. And if she gets like a good little mid card babyface run with Otis for a while before she inevitably turns on him and goes somewhere else, that's fine. You know that um, it, 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 it could set up for a little while. So th- this this will be fun for a little bit. I hope the I like Otis. He, he's just he's a good character, and not everybody has to be um, you know one look. And we've seen that in the last you know decade or so. It, it's great with with someone like Otis. Who can get a, a baby face run here um, yeah, I love Otis but that, you know, The tag team with Tucker I like them too But you never figure what they're going to do with them They always win a couple matches and they always and lose they stop. 
the yep. match to get to the title match, you know. So I don't think he's they're going to make them be title contenders, but they're always fun to watch. The crowd loves Otis, and he's really a, a crowd favorite for sure. Up next, we get, I think, a match that most people were probably looking forward to, um, the, maybe the most of the whole weekend. And I, it wasn't bad in any way. It was very intense. It was really, really good. Um, with a good start, with Orton dressed up as the cameraman, and he comes out from behind, and he gets the RKO right away on Edge, and um, and then the the match, it was just a real fight. It was it was slow. And to me, wow. it, it was 36 minutes. I think if it would have been 25 minutes, it would have been better because it would have it would have meant a little bit more, and they could have like sped things up just a little bit. N- nothing bad about it. It was I understand what they did and, and why they went, but it just felt like long, a little too long. This is one that match that surprised me because I thought going into it that they were going to have. I mean, it was set up for Edge to win the whole time with the comeback and getting mm-hmm. her. But then I, for me, I kind of thought that they were going to save him winning for the crowd pop because he was he was brought in for a crowd pop. The crowd would have gone crazy with him winning the match. So with the crowd not there, I thought maybe, well, OK, they're going to have Orton win again and drag this along a little longer till we get back to the crowds. But during the match, you know, there were three or four times where you realized it could have stopped right there. And, and you would have been okay. That's good. Yep. But just kept going on. And and how many times were there? Were, was one guy laying down? The referee wasn't even counting. You know, it was just wow. kind of silence. And the referee, and the announcers were just not saying anything half the time. So yeah, the more drag on, the more you kind of thinking, okay, let's get this over with. But it was a lot of great, great ma- spots by them together. Yeah, and and, and ends with uh, the the concerto uh, at the end, and so. There were, yeah, you meant good, good way of putting it. Lots of good spots. Just, I just wish they would trim this up, especially with the ability of the editing, right? Yeah. Like, especially with, like, if this match, and I don't know if you watched the NXT stuff there day, but they, there was a, a Johnny Gargano, um, Tommaso Ciampa match that was just filmed recently, and it was like very similar to this kind of a feud. But it was filmed like like the Boneyard match, more of. It was in in the ring in an empty arena. But I think if they would have filmed it uh, like differently, with some cuts, with a little more editing, with a little different to it, I loved the the creativity of going all all around the arena, not staying in the ring. I, I like that. I thought that was really cool. And it, there were some things to like, but I definitely was disappointed. Like I was more hyped for this match than any match going into the weekend, and it was it was just kind of there. It kind of just slowed the whole the whole weekend down. You know, it did, no, it did. You're right. We talked about how every match led into the other one, and they did little promos in between in the kids. This one was so long and drawn out that you, you kind of just kind of lost interest in what was going on. And you were okay, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? And and like I said, there were three or four times where there was just dead air for like you know 10, 15 seconds, you know. And they could have cut a lot of that out with the time that they did it since they had done way ahead of time. But I, they said they were happy with it, so you know, we'll go with it. Uh, we get Rob Gronkowski up on the perch inside the performance center, and. Um, Everyone's chasing Mojo, the 24-7 champ around And then there's a big spot where Gronk jumps off the perch He takes everyone down and he covers Mojo To become the new 24-7 champion That'll probably last about a week And then we'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, get our yeah. truth back for the 483rd time It's fun to see Gronk get involved in that And they're going to have so much fun with him And, and that title keep go- going forward I'm sure they got more plans for that so this next match was another one of those these kind of that just was put together kind of last minute. Austin Theory and Angel Garza versus Street Profits. Uh, all these guys can go though. So you know if you're gonna get a real quick six minute match, it, it's not bad at all. 
And um, th- this was more of for I think the debut of of Bianca Belair, who was really really good at the women's in the women's Royal Rumble. She looks like she's up now on the main roster. She's actually married to um, Ford Montez. Montez Ford. Yep, and um, she comes out as after the match, the uh, Selena Vega. And Garza in theory were attacking And beating down uh, the Street Profits And that's when Bianca Belair comes out for the save And then we've, we've seen her now up on Raw So this was a fine Little six minute match and I think it was more of The angle giving away for Bianca To debut on the main roster Yeah because even the next night on Raw she got involved Again in, 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 in fact in you know, a singles match And then in the three way match so you know Bianca's a good performer in NXT I think it's the right time for her to come up Coming up with her husband, you know, Montez Ford is is, a, is perfect because they have a chemistry together. And, and Montez Ford to me is just very entertaining to watch. You know, I mean, people say he gets a little overboard sometimes with his annex, but I mean, he, he has so much fun out there. It's, it's infectious, you know, because his partner is not much action. I mean, he's not very exciting to watch, but Montez just gets everybody going. So I, I think having the titles on them, which was a little quick, I thought, you know, since they just basically came up not too long ago, but I, I think they were in their spot to be the title holders. And I think they're going to do well. We then see Titus O'Neil who says he's going to be the uh, the new WrestleMania 36 host now that Gronk is unable to host since he's the 24-7 champ. And uh, we get a fatal five-way elimination match for the SmackDown women's title. It's Sasha Banks versus Naomi versus Lacey Evans versus Tamina versus Bailey, who is the champ. And uh, this match ended up going uh, 19 minutes. It's an elimination match. So um, they all get you know eliminated one at a time. Uh, up first was uh was Tamina and they kind of did the, the spot where everybody looks over and teams up on Tamina. They all hit their, their big spots and then they all pile on Tamina and eliminate her for the pin. Um, Naomi uh, ends up tapping out to the bank statement. So then she's gone. So then it's down to the three with uh, Lacey Evans, Sasha Banks and Bailey. And you know what? They, they did a good swerve in that at this point, I, and probably a lot of people assumed it would be, it would end up, Bailey and Sasha as your final two, and then kick forward a, a you know a storyline with them you know battling over the women's championship, which it still might be going forward. But in fact, Sasha gets eliminated by Lacey Evans, and um, she goes back for a moment. Um, so Bailey and uh, Lacey are, are finishing this thing out, but then Sasha comes back in the ring. Uh, she helps Bailey get the W here. Bailey ends up winning this at 19 minutes and 20 seconds. I think this whole thing was set up to start this feud with Bailey and, mm-hmm. and Sasha because you can see it coming. You know, they're making it obvious. She's looking at the title and and she's playing second second field to her best friend and getting no no action from it. I, I felt really bad though for Lacey Evans. I, I like Lacey Evans. I think she's done a great job. She's good, yeah. Because she was losing every match, you know, to to Becky, and all of a sudden now she's getting into her own where she's there. She she's the hero of the of the service and all the things she's done in the past. And I think she's. Going to be a title holder at some point, but I think the Sasha Bailey feud could be one for the ages because those both are so good in the ring together. Uh, it's, it's going to draw out for a little while, but I think it's definitely going to end up with Sasha beating her eventually for the title. So then we get the Firefly Funhouse match: John Cena versus the Fiend Bray Wyatt. We don't know anything about what this match is going to be, what a Firefly Funhouse match is. We we just know that you know Bray Wyatt shows up with his, in the Firefly Funhouse segments all the time, and we see him in there. So uh, John Cena comes out to the ring and just his his normal self. He looks like he's ready uh, for a match, and then he's quickly interrupted, and he's it's in it's a he's in the Firefly Funhouse. Bray Wyatt appears. And Bray Wyatt talks about how there's another realm It's filled with monsters And 
He uh, tells Cena that he's about to face his most dangerous opponent himself, and this is being filmed very much just like a movie, kind of like the, um, but it's cutting around, and there's all sorts of different, um, uh, you know, cuts to things in the year uh, John Cena's all throughout his career, his debut, all different things in the past. Um, we see. Abby the Witch and Ramblin' Rabbit And they tell John Cena why it went that way Through a door uh, John Cena opens the door And now we see the evil Vince McMahon boss puppet That appears that I'm sure if you're part. just listening to the descriptions of this You're like what the hell is this guy saying But watch, honestly go back and watch this This is another one that you, you will, will always be talked about um, This was This was I loved it too. I mean, I, I really like what they did here. It was super creative. We've seen John Cena and Bray Wyatt go for 15, 20 minutes in the ring, and it's fine. This was way different. They wanted to take a chance here. I know a lot of people didn't like like this one, but then uh, some really did like it. I, I, I was on the side of, of being super positive. I mean, you go through all of John Cena's history. There's John Cena dressed up in an NWO. Um, there, there's just... All sorts of different weird things that I again trying to describe this like the the boneyard match w- it just won't do it justice enough to tell you go seek this out and find it it ends up going 13 minutes the fiend wins this match and then we cut to Titus O'Neil saying he has no idea what the hell he just saw <laughs> I felt um, the same way because the thing is since I was out of wrestling for you know four or five years a lot of those John Cena references I didn't get yeah. when I was watching it. Because I don't remember that because I wasn't really following wrestling all that much then. So to me, I was like, what are they doing? You know, and, and afterward, I realized that they were going through his career. But I, at the time, I didn't catch that because I wasn't really watching Cena much over the years. But I do need to go back and watch it back again because now that I know that, I will enjoy it more. But I was like, I was like, Titus, like, what did we just see? You know, this- I mean, it was very creative, very innovative. But to me, it was just kind of It wasn't lost. a match. I mean, there's no, no work. There's nothing going on. It's basically like... A a trip through this guy And and you could tell what To me what's just fascinating is like when you watch it all I mean you could tell that it, I love that Cena was so in, was, was down with all of this because he just re, He was down to recreate all of it he, It's yeah. Cena out in the ring in his Same gear when he was called the Prototype and he did a um, he, he came out and one of the first things we remember Was when Kurt Angle had a challenge and Bray Wyatt Cuts the entire Kurt Angle promo from that from that episode of SmackDown. Everything is like verbatim. It's really, it's well done. If you're someone who's watched for a long time and you can pick up on a lot of these Easter eggs, you'll appreciate it. But I, from from what you said, I'm I'm I'm, I'm surprised they did something that's a little bit quote unquote this deep in a right. WrestleMania setting when there were a lot of people. That are watching, especially in, in this era, were probably just flipping this on and didn't. Know what all of this stuff meant Exactly and and, and I, I watched I heard that you know Bray Wyatt came up with A lot of the ideas for it but you can see why Cena would go in for it because he's at the End of his career he hasn't done much wrestling at all And put him through a match with Bray Wyatt And an actual match would have probably been Hard to do because yep. you know he hasn't Been that active lately but for him to Actually go back and kind of go through his career That way I'm sure that's why he looks so good Doing it because I'm sure he enjoyed embracing That We Close things out with the WWE title match is Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. Um, I thought since the Royal Rumble, they've done a really good job with with Drew with building him up. Uh, he he won the Rumble. They made him seem, you know, like a legitimate contender uh, to Brock Lesnar. And this was a, again how these 
a lot of these main event matches have been that are involving, you know, Brock or uh, or Goldberg or someone like that. They're not long. There are a lot of finishing moves back and forth. This one went only four thirty five. Now this match was much better than the Gold uh, than the Goldberg Braun Strowman match. Like these guys are going at it, and it feels like a little bit more than a four minute match when you're watching it. And there there is some back and forth, and obviously with Heyman at the ring, inside of the ring, uh, screaming and everything. But um, Drew does get his moment. Drew McIntyre gets the win. He is the new WWE champion. And you can see that building. I mean, a lot of times what WWE does is they'll have a guy dominate for a while up to a big match, and then they'll lose the match. And they so lose kind of everything. Yeah. That Drew was he was being dominant against Brock the last few times you saw them, and are they building that up to have Brock just squash him at the at the thing? But uh, Drew is 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 a is a worthy champion. He's put in his time. He's been in the company for a long time, and for him to build his way up there, get to that moment, and then succeed and surpass people what people might have thought might happen. Was just great for him, and you know, like this one moment where even there was no crowd, he looked at that that title like you know all it's, all these years I've been trying for this, and and it looked like it was about ready to cry over. It was great, great emotion from him to be in that moment at that time. So, what were some of your uh, final overall thoughts of the the two nights? Well, I mean, I, I enjoyed both nights immensely. I thought that, I thought they did a great job. And there, there's there's a stat going around, and you can take it for what it's worth because of the fact that. Everybody was at home, but they said it broke a record for the most social media interactions in a single WWE history. Um, for one event, it was 13.8 million interactions between Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which is a 57% increase over last year. But again, everybody was home. They're all watching online, so you expect that. But it was just goes to show that how much people were talking about it as it was going on. They were going on Facebook, going on Twitter, going on Instagram, saying, look at this. Did you see that? Whether they liked it or not, they were talking about it. And when you're in WWE, you want them to keep talking about you. And that's what they, they were accomplished. Don, this was a lot of fun. Uh, enjoyed uh, going back and forth, talking about all these matches with you. Um, before we let you go, let the folks out there know, where, uh, once again, where can we find you online, on social media, um, on your blog? Uh, give us your plugs. Well, I have a, a blog going. I just started up called the Don of Sports Blog. At dot uh, wordpress dot com. That's the dawn of sports blog dot wordpress dot com. Talk about whatever sports I feel like talking about. I like to do little stories about local people. Uh, next week I'm gonna be doing a story actually on an indie wrestler who's trying to make his way up to WWE. So that should be kind of fun to do. Nice. My Facebook is Don August and my Instagram is Don underscore August underscore three hundred. So you can pick me up on any of those three. Don, thank you so much. Um, and uh, really look forward to uh, bringing you back again. We'll have to do this again with some. Some wrestling, some racing, anything in the world of sports. I know you can. You'll be down to talk about a lot of different things. So uh, I look forward to having you back. Anytime, Jimmy. Do a great job. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Don August. There, you found, uh, you heard uh, the way to get in touch with him. If you ever want to follow along, let's take a quick break here from one of our sponsors, and we'll be back on that's what G said. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, 
out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. And a big thank you to Don. Uh, give him a follow. Check out his blog. We'll have him back to talk more uh, more wrestling and more sports. And, uh, hey, while we're on the wrestling front, let's just jump right into Chad the Party Hoover Cooper. He's back. We're going to talk Monday Night Raw. He'll give us some some thoughts on WrestleMania. But then we jump into a, a full recap of Monday Night Raw. We get you a full recap of NXT from Wednesday, which was really good, and then we get you a recap of All Elite Wrestling from Wednesday also. So Chad Cooper here going to close things out on That's What Back to talk wrestling. It was a big week in the world of wrestling. Not only did we have a WrestleMania, but then Monday Night Raw. We also had NXT and AEW on Wednesday night, and NXT had a couple matches that would have been uh, on uh, on TakeOver if there were a TakeOver this year. So lots to discuss with Chad Cooper, Cooper Loop, my man. How's everything going in your neck of the woods? Hey, it's going well. Adjusting uh, to society, but uh, as you mentioned, another great week of wrestling, and it seems like it was months ago that we had WrestleMania, but, but we're within a week. But uh, good stuff. Okay, before we get into Raw, get, let's just give me some big picture um, WrestleMania thoughts. Like, what are some of the things that stood out to you from those couple nights? Well, number one, I enjoyed the two nights. Oh, I love the the format. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully that's something we get uh, in in the future. I, I know that NXT does their their takeover that weekend, and I know there's a ton of indie promotions that build around uh, WrestleMania weekend, and that could take away from that. But I, I love the format. Um, of course, look, the live audience, you know, was a bummer, but I thought we saw some some great matches. And, I mean, the WWE just out 
outdid themselves with these cinematic matches from the Firefly Funhouse to the Boneyard match. I mean, it was, you know, it was what you could ask for uh, without actually getting the pyro and the 80,000 fans, of course, that rush and the oohs and ahs. But, you know, it seems like when you watch WrestleMania, even from the comforts of your own home on that Sunday, it seems like, uh, you know, you start watching the pre-show, which is three o'clock, four o'clock and by eight, nine o'clock. When you it's dragging. Four matches, it's dragging. Like going, yeah, it, it, I did not get this. I did not Let, get this. Less got lost in the shuffle here. Sure. It makes, you know, because in that seven hour show, we love wrestling. I'm, I, I want is, I'm glad there's a lot of content. There's a lot of wrestling, more wrestling. That's great. More, more things for us to watch, you know, but when it's all in one night and it, it's drags, you could feel the, in the building, you could see the people start to drag, you know, in, in the middle of those really, really long, epic, like stadium shows. This, the, they book these shows really well. Everything was very quick. There wasn't a lot of drag in between the matches. And, you know what? There, I, looking back and, and watching it again over the last couple of days, there wasn't really a whole lot of bad on either show. No, and I liked the part that these matches didn't feel rushed, and they actually got to tell a story. And yes. there was a lot of a lot of you know guys and girls that would normally get buried in a in a, in a battle royal or some kind of gimmick match. I thought they had. You know, ample enough time to tell their stories in these matches, and so it was a job well done. I really, really liked it. Not necessarily, you know, this match should have been on this day. You know, I had no complaints. I really, really enjoyed it. And like I said, that that boneyard and the firefly match was just uh, icing on the cake for me. Yeah, just to piggyback your point, the the women's tag match got a good oh, amount yeah. of time. That was good. Sure. Fifteen, they got fifteen minutes. Um, Zayn and Debray, they only went ten, but that's still like more of the story. The last five minutes of that match really picked up. Uh, Morrison, Uso, Kofi, that match that got amazing. Eight, eighteen minutes. That match was great. KO yes. and Seth Rollins, they gave that thing you know seventeen minutes plus, and then we got the Boneyard match for nineteen minutes. So we those matches, especially like the KO match. And that ladder match and the women's tag match There is no way in hell those matches Are getting 15 minutes plus on a regular Mania No and uh, you know they're rushed And KO and Seth would have been rushed uh, The women's tag match would have probably been Rushed and they had great spots uh, Awesome it, You know and, and for, for what it's worth And you know the tag t- Team match of course we would like to see All those tag teams in it but what they did With those three guys was Amazing work and that was one of my favorite matches. That probably was, you know, outside of the cinematic matches. That was probably the match uh, that did it for me. I think so too. That is just amazing. amazing. Yeah, that second half of a, of night one really started to, to pick up a little bit. Um, I mean, the women, Charlotte and Rhea, both oh, sure. stars. Oh, I mean, that was just incredible. I had a couple of people send me messages. They said, "Was that the best women's match I've ever seen?" And I said, <laughs> well, "The fact that you're saying it, and 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 I don't think you're crazy. You know, you you might be able to dig and find some that you like more or that are better. But this was a damn good match between two really really good performers. Um, we got the fun spot with Otis, you know, and, uh, oh, yeah. and Ziggler. Yeah. Like there was there was enough to me that still felt like wrestling." WrestleMania moments on these shows Yeah and I know there was some You know negative Nancy's out there You know oh, this shouldn't have happened it's, You know I, I thought it was perfect I did too you know, It I, was I, needed I 
yeah, and it was classy. There, there wasn't anything like, oh, come on, you know, why are y'all doing this? Why is no. this doing this? And it was great for social media. For we both didn't get nights. the Undertaker um, tombstoning of a wrestler named Coronavirus. You know? Exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it was just perfect the way they did it. And we, we, you know, you and I talked, you know, weeks up leading to WrestleMania, and you know, we, they couldn't have scripted it better. Yep. It was amazing. It was. It, it, I, I I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. And so, uh, um, applause to them as we move on to Monday Night Raw, which. You know, it's unfortunate too because this is one of those big raws where you get a lot of debuts yeah. and a lot of story, and they were kind of handcuffed. And you know, um, I think they didn't want to get too ahead of themselves with things <laughs> coming right out of coming right out of WrestleMania and like put them like kind of book themselves into different corners. But um, we got a. Uh, Oscar Liv Morgan uh, to start. Um, Oscar gets the win. Um, they they went for a little while, and I I like like Liv's a little bit of a, a tweak that she's got. She's improved quite a bit from a few years back um, on when she was on NXT. She's much better in the ring now. Yeah, and it, and it helps her not being in the Riot Squad. I know yes. they were probably hiding some flaws of hers, uh, but now that she's on her own, she's on her own. Number one. Uh, if you know anything about Liv Morgan, she loves professional wrestling. So if you love it, that's half the battle. And she is getting better and better. And I love the gimmick and I love the outfit that they have with her. And, and I was okay her, her losing with Oscar, but it wasn't a squash match. And, you know, last year that would have been, you know, Liv Morgan, you know, she was in squash matches. She wasn't taken serious. She had the, you know, the, the turquoise tongue and, you know, this look and that look. You know, she's becoming more of a serious wrestler, and I think fans are are starting to respect that even more. We then got um, a few different iterations of uh, matches with the Street Profits and Bianca Belair against um, Zelina Vega and uh, the the uh, the tag match from the night before Garza and um, Austin Theory and Theory and Theory, yeah. which I mean, all these guys can go; they they work really well. And I think both both at Mania and this has been a little bit more of like giving giving Bianca the opportunity for a spot for her to debut because they they I think they're really high on her. Oh, she's legitimately good. Uh, you know, even in NXT, uh, you could just see it was a matter of time. She has the persona, she has the look, uh, she has the crowd. Um, you know, her being on Monday Night Raw, and it also. You know, it freshens up this this women's division a little bit. You know, with Charlotte taking the NXT title, we don't know if that's going to be on Raw SmackDown as well. Who knows? Or it just maybe it just stays on NXT on Wednesday nights. But uh, she deserves to be on the main roster in Raw, and it gives it a little something extra. And she's one heck of an athlete. She can work. We then got um, a match that I guess it, it it only seems out of place if it was just kind of random. I I'm a big Apollo Cruz fan. I would love if they were able to get behind him a little bit. They they've kind of done the similar things with him that they've done with Cedric, where it's like they seem like they're they're giving them um, at least some some TV time for a few weeks, and then and we don't see them for a long time. But this was like Apollo Cruz's I think longest match on the main roster for sure. He had some good ones in uh, in NXT. It was Aleister Black versus Apollo. Both these guys looked really good. I mean, this was a good match. It was just. We I hope we get to see a little bit more from Apollo And that this wasn't just because he was there At the Performance Center And they needed someone uh, to fill some time Right, we, we know how good Aleister Black is um, A lot of people for the first time 
got to see how good Apollo Crews is. Yes. That was yeah. a great match. It was. And it got a lot of time. And again, he's not involved with, you know, with Titus and some kind of gimmicky matches and, you know, thrown out there for this. And like you said, hoping he wasn't just around or he was available, even if he was, uh, he had his moment and he can only, you know, the sky's the limit for this guy. I like, I, I like Apollo. I think he's, he's better as a, a singles as to compare to putting him in some sort of stable or a tag team or some kind of gimmick fraternity type deal. I think that was a match for him to show what he had and he did. And I expect some better booking from him in the near, near future. Cause he is legitimately one of the rising stars on, on that roster. We got a fun tag match after with uh, with Cedric and Ricochet. Which, hey, you know what? If you're not going to do anything with either of those two, and you give them when you put them together, and and if uh, you can always get a good 15 minutes out of these guys on TV, oh, yeah. if you need, right? Like this could sure. be like a weekly thing where you let these two guys come out and at least like uh, help get get you get you some, through some of the time that you need to fill right now. Both of these guys are unbelievable. You know what? Oni L- Lorkin and Danny Birch are great too. Like they're a real fun, hard hitting team. If this same exact match took place in front of a full crowd at NXT, it would tear the house down. Oh, that would have been crazy. That match would have been, you know, match of the month type honors. Yep, yep. You know, Rick, Ricochet and Cedric, they can both go. And then when you put a tag team, like you said, as mentioned, it's very, very physical, uh, that has that heel presence and has that look. And Ricochet, with his new look, you know, he shaved his beard, as Booker T mentioned on WWE Backstage. He likes, you know, he knows Ricochet's getting more serious now without the beard. I thought it was fun and well-placed, and I wouldn't mind seeing those two guys uh, – uh, team together in the near future and take a run at, at the tag titles. Uh, up next was with just a, a Rollins squash. He he was sure, upset. Sure. This is fine. This is something good. They used to do a lot more of this. Um, and I'm I'm fine with doing this after a big show. You had two, you know, of your top level performers go out there. One of them loses. Let's let's make him look strong. You know, um, the night the next night afterwards. And it's not by going over Kevin Owens. Then you know, like it's this is better than the fifty fifty type thing that they would normally do. Just let him come out and and crush someone. Yeah, and you know what I like? Sometimes, you know, of course, the Raw after Mania is always big. There's anticipation. There's going to be some debuts. There's going to be some roster changes. There's there's going to be this and that. But you also, on that Raw after Mania, you also kind of get some rematches from the night before, as you just You're said. You're right. We did it. This, this could have been a, another KO match with him and, you know, him going over KO. And it's just like, no, th- this this was perfect. Get him in there for a squash. Make him, you know, make him look strong. And uh, that was the one thing I really, really liked that we didn't have all these uh, unneeded rematches from from the previous night with either the exact same ending or DQ or the other person going over because that that then that kills their mania moment. Yeah, mania it, doesn't, it, it just doesn't do a whole lot for either person. Correct. This this mm-hmm. was good. Sometimes you just need a little something like this. This was good booking. This was like felt like a little old school type thing. Seth gets the quick win. He looks strong, and that's fine. Um, and then we get uh, Nia Jax making her return to the Raw. I think this is going to be some good fresh blood, like in into the women's division, um, because it felt like for a while towards the top, it's kind of been the same, maybe four or five. And if you can kind of inject Nia in there, um, that I think that always freshens things up a little bit. She's kind of got some built-in stuff already with uh, with Becky, if if that's a direction they want to go. She uh, she had a. a a match against Deanna Perazzo here. She gets a quick win. It's just to kind of remind you, Nia's here and Nia's back. And a new finisher, right? Paige. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's got Paige's old finisher. 
Yeah, yeah the, like the, the scoop DDT, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 another perfect match to bring her back to give her a good match. Uh, Diana, you know, is a young star in NXT. Um, I was okay with that. Uh, I'm not the biggest Nia Jax fan, but much needed. Again, another new face to bring back, even though she's been in the WWE for a while, but she's been out with uh, knee injuries. Good to see somebody back, uh, a heel type character. Yeah, just kind of injecting her and Bianca yeah. right away. Oh, yeah. Kind of gives you a whole different like When you start thinking about all the different combinations You can have there it really it really feels Like there are going to be a lot of fresh fresh matchups So um, that looks good uh, Then we got a quick uh, Humberto Carrillo Brendan Vink um, This is <laughs> I think this was just Another one of those like hey a couple guys That are around here go out give us a match <laughs> That we we can tape and uh, we can We can throw on there for a few minutes when we need Yeah I like Humberto I mean he, he's, Yeah he's good you know yeah, he's good. Um, it, it's good to see him uh, not working uh, the same guys. Uh, I, I know he's had certain programs with, with certain WWE stars, and you know that, that's a new thing. Uh, another thing, w- once you get past Mania, it, it, you start writing new chapters now, and not not necessarily with this because we're in a strange time because we really don't know which direction that WWE mm-hmm. or AEW uh, are going to go with. As restrictions get tighter on states that they're taping in, but it's good to see some of these guys work different people than they have worked over the last, you know, several several months because you know they're working on them on the road too. So I like Humberto; he, he's got a big upside. So we uh, we look at um, now Charlotte, um, and she comes out, and, and it's a promo that Charlotte cut backstage after winning the WrestleMania 36 match. Wh- which direction do you think they're going to go with Charlotte and this uh, NXT Championship? Well, you know, that's that's interesting because does she stay on Wednesday nights? Uh, does she bring that title to Monday nights or Friday nights? I just don't know. Um, you know, we'll get to NXT. You know, what happened this week is they had the number one contenders uh, ladder match, which I thought was fantastic. Awesome. You know, I, I thought that had great spots. I did think the crowd not being there hurt that match a little bit. I felt bad for some of the women because they would have gotten such a reaction in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You know, you know, but uh, you know, and seeing the winner of that, you know, this, that's probably just, uh, you know, to give Charlotte, you know, uh, you know, an opponent over the next couple of weeks. Right. Because I don't think that's anybody serious. So, you know, maybe she elevates that title and it does go to raw or SmackDown. And, you know, I, they have numerous ways to go with that yep. title. If they I keep like it on it. Wednesday nights, I understand, but I, I do see them bringing her to Friday nights with that belt. I, yeah. I, just, I don't think she's going to be stuck on Wednesday nights. She might be don't. able to pull double duty for a little while. You know, sure. where she's on Wednesdays and she's on and she's on Fridays, like to give a little injection to the Wednesday night and. Um, and we said with some of the new women that are coming up They have a lot of options now with Charlotte um, I, I like this, it's just a little bit different And I think eventually at some point Whether it be for this title or for uh, You know, the Smackdown Or the Raw Women's title, like Rhea will get that Win over Charlotte eventually, she'll get that sure, back sure. They'll have a good feud They'll continue on, and um, I think that's Kind of what we've all circled and, and maybe Put in the back of our minds to look forward to again Somewhere down the road Um and then we close things out. This was kind of cool. I kind of like what they did here. This was a little bit different. So they tell us that um, we're looking back at the main event where Drew McIntyre wins the title from Brock Lesnar uh, the night before at WrestleMania. And they show us that after the match, um, Drew is in the ring. He was getting interviewed. And uh, the interview gets interrupted by uh, the big show. 
And the Big Show comes out and he's in his ring gear Now I, I think a lot of this had to do with the fact That the Big Show has a show on Netflix That just came out called The sure. Big Show Show uh, On Friday <laughs> Which I made Stephanie watch an episode Like two episodes with me Which it is so corny and so bad But it's just you know throw it on in the background If you've got kids I think Milo enjoyed watching it But uh um, This was it, you know what it was It was it was Wrestlemania 9 But they did they just they did the right thing Like the, the winner didn't yeah. go over here you know it was almost like Hogan comes out after the match He wins the title Big Show is coming out Trying to take advantage of Drew having just wrestled Brock Trying to, you know, uh, pr- uh, kind of take advantage of Drew's ego And say, hey, you know, uh, let's do it right now And so uh, Drew didn't want to fight him But Big Show had to smack him And Drew finally says, okay, we'll go at it And they have a little match that they uh, they had basically used As the main event of Monday Night Raw Th- You know what? I like that they're trying different things They didn't just say that this is happening live right now They even went through the whole this happened last night Kind of thing which which I, It was cool I loved it and it's better than having Your Night after coronation party Right yes. You, you yes. get the, the same balloons and bells and whistles And then you get a challenger Or somebody comes out I thought it was handled well And I, I think it was a perfect WrestleMania moment to even solidify how legit good that Drew McIntyre not only is, but what he can be with this belt. And I was perfect. I, I, I was fine with that. I know some people said, oh, that's a little bit corny. Why are they doing it? I thought it was great. Uh, you know, the way he overcame Brock Lesnar and then his WrestleMania moment was not only winning the title, but afterwards headlining and main eventing the next night Raw because it was a match. After Brock Lesnar, that was that was genius planning, and that just shows you how good the WWE really is. Because we knew they had to pull out all the stops to make this work, and yeah, I think and, they did. And they, they they we critique them, and plenty of people critique them. And there's things that they they swing and miss on a lot of the time. They haven't done that with Drew. Uh, this no, has been good. No, and yeah. what I like too is we generally get. Like a lot of times when somebody wins the title It seems like their first feud would always be like The Big Show or Kane You know like one of them like a real safe one This kind of just gets that out of the way real quick Right like I don't expect this to be like An elongated type feud it was kind of like Hey Big Show's back he's gonna call you out You get him out of the way which is great It's like he's still a credible name to get the win over You you get Big Show a little bit of buzz For his TV show that's out there It works (laughs) kind of it serves a double purpose for everyone You know so I, I, I mean I thought That WWE did a good job this week They really did and then we're going to move to Wednesday And I thought they did a damn good job On Wednesday night too With a couple of these matches And in particular one that you have already referenced We kicked things off with the women's ladder match You know Chelsea Green pretty well You've, or you've, photographer, you've like uh, sure. taken pictures And you've sure. done uh, some of her uh, indie stuff right? Oh yeah, yeah, big fan of hers And of course I was wanting her to win I, lo- I love the spot with, with Robert Stone Getting involved yeah. uh, on, on the ladder You know, he, he's just one of those Rob, guys Good old Robbie <laughs> E Rob, yeah, Rob. Yeah, 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 yeah You you love you love to hate this guy um, There was some great spots I'm okay with the winner Like, like I said, it, it really could have used That live crowd to get behind this group Because uh, they deserved it but uh, man, what a way to kick off NXT! Uh, I thought it was well done. They got a, they got great time. Um, they each had their moments and their spots. Uh, I was a little upset that that uh, Chelsea Green didn't win, but uh, I, I'm okay with the turnout. 
especially if this is just going to be maybe feed feed someone to Charlotte. And you know what it is, yeah, yeah, you know what it yeah. Because like. I don't think whoever's winning this and like facing Charlotte's going to win immediately. So at least no. hopefully when they get behind Chelsea, maybe they'll be getting behind her to kind of sure. give her the, the the go. Um, so yeah, EO Shirai gets the win here, and uh, she's your new number one contender. We then. Um, are looking back and seeing a, a lot of the buildup with Finn Balor and mm-hmm. Imperium and the Walter stuff. We see uh, a match against uh, Aleza- uh, Alexander Wolf, and then we get a, a little promo from Finn. So, I mean, th- these are, are two guys that are really great. These are two guys that you know, if this was like main uh, main roster stuff, this would be. I mean, they could go. What do you think about uh, the Finn Walter stuff? I think it's you know. I- it's it's anticipation. It's something to look forward to, and it's probably not going to happen likely anytime soon that that we know of. Maybe it yeah. does. I don't know. But it was well done. You saw some older matches uh, from these guys at NXT, the UK Takeover, and I'm really really looking forward to that because not a lot of the WWE universe uh, know the backstory between those two, and that's a new feud for us to watch and digest. So then we get a, a some looks at a new tag team that's debuted recently. Is Indu Sure? Is that right? Is that their <laughs> that name? Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And um, they come in and they basically have a squash against um, Ever Rise here. We we see, but I mean, just a new tag team to kind of build up. They went after um, Riddle um, to, to kind of send a message early on, but a couple like monster tag team guys looks like kind of one of their new uh, big heel teams. Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind them. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I like monster tag teams. You know, I like Malcolm Bivens. I love the work he did in ROH. I just, I, I, I don't know about him with them. I understand why he put they were they were put together as a mouthpiece. These are you know assassins. They come in, blah blah blah. And so maybe it grows on me a little bit because I really like Malcolm Bivens and, and the guy's a talker. But right now it just kind of seems uh, kind of forced a little bit. You know. Maybe this is another one that that needs a you know live audience behind it to get more of effect, but it'll grow on me. But it looks like that's probably your next NXT Tag Team Champions here pretty soon. We then get a uh, Adam Cole cutting a promo. He's on vacation by the pool, and uh, <laughs> he, he's he's uh, mocking mocking the Velveteen Dream for beating Bobby Fish last week. And um, I mean these these two guys will have an unbelievable match when they throw it down. Oh yeah, I mean Adam Cole, one of my favorites, all-time favorites. You know, dating back, baby. To the, yeah, the indie days, man. He was so good uh, as part of the Kingdom and in, in ROH, and then comes over here at NXT. And this guy is so over the NXT crowd, love him. And then Velveteen Dream, you know, who doesn't like this guy? So when they, again, it, it's when these, you know, they're teasing us, and when these guys work it, they're going to give us one hell of a match. I don't think I know any wrestler, at least in this. Right now who carries himself with more Confidence than Adam Cole oh, he's the best, he Just man. looks like I mean he walks into The room or like he, it's hard To to not pay attention to him because he Like he thinks so highly of himself You could just tell the way he thinks and, and he Is he's an unbelievable talker he can really Go I hope that eventually He'll get his his big run And maybe it's going to be with when Triple H Has to take over because <laughs> right push. I don't know if Vince ever will but uh, But Triple H loves the guy and I mean he, he he's great. He's been uh he's been just amazing uh all all since the very beginning of his time at NXT. Um then we get the, the basically the last hour of this match was another one of these that WWE <laughs> did in the last, you know, few days, these like 
cinema these like filmed cinema matches that are not an actual live match. And this one was different from the Firefly Funhouse. It was more like the Boneyard match in that it was actually a match. They cut right. it around. If if the Edge and Orton match would have been like this, yes. I think it would have been much, much better. I mean, this was and I know a lot of people are, are kind of sick of seeing these guys. They've been they've been, you know, in this feud for years now and and it's like some of their matches real like they're great. They're always great, but there are some times where you're like, this guy's gotta be done now. And they keep kicking right, out, right. they keep kicking out, and they keep kicking right. out. But this this was like you're watching a, a great episode of TV for the last hour, you know, of NXT. And it was really, really good. They're ripping up the ring. They're taking the, you know, um, they're using all sorts of different weapons, the crutch, you name it. Candace comes out, she gets involved, she Kicks Johnny in the balls But then <laughs> Johnny goes down It looks like what Candace did this to Johnny And then all of a sudden you know She comes back out and she does it to Champa And Johnny's got the cup on You know, he, She gave him the cup <laughs> earlier and, and he was wearing that So there was just a little bit of everything in this match It like it went There were so many little easter eggs and nuggets To throw back to different matches Or different things oh, yeah. From their feud all the way on Like this was basically a different version of the Firefly Funhouse In that it was doing the same thing That they were showing all these these spots I mean, I, I like this a lot I did And, and some of your Your younger folks that are listening uh, That listen to, in to you uh, That's what you said every week It won't remember I, I, I thought this reminded me of The old two Clint Eastwood movies Any Which Way But Loose And Every Which Way You Can When he gets in these bar fights if you've never seen those two movies, he, he, Philo Beto, which is Clint Eastwood, is a, he's a prize fighter. And, and he goes into these bars and he has these fights in, in the main scene at the end of the movie. He, he has this one long, drawn-out guy that, you know, the Black Widows have brought over from, from Florida to fight him. And it's just so well done. And it's just like surprises. Just like, okay, it's over. And it's not. And then, as you mentioned, with Candice LeRae coming in, and I'm like... There's no way she turned on her man. There's no way. And I love Candice LeRae. Yeah. I loved her when she was with Joey Ryan on the indie scene, man, when they were the world's greatest tag team. Um, you, you know, it, it just, yeah, as you mentioned, if, if Edge and Orton, which went way, way too long, and I think commercials actually helped this one, mm-hmm. and they just didn't go straight through with it. But, man, what a, what a way to end that storyline. Just, uh, it, it was amazing. It had everything. It had everything. It it was great. So Gargano gets the win, and um, they even slowly walk out to you know to the car, just like <laughs> yeah, gimping right. all the way. You're almost like I kept waiting at the end, like somebody's gonna come and attack him right now, right? Sure, like sure. something's happening. But it was it was good. It was like yeah, this needed to be the end of that story. They could put a big bow on it. And those are two that I'm I'm kind of curious where they go moving forward. You know, Gargano and Ciampa who are two who feel like they've done everything they needed to do in NXT, but but would they get the same kind of attention, run, push, like love? Do they even want to come up? Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, you know, neither one of them are probably you know going to go after the NXT uh championship because they've been there done that. So their next step 
would be to moving to Monday or Friday nights. And I think both of them would, would do better probably on Friday nights. The SmackDowns, you know, I I think they fit in more. seems like Triple H's hand, even though it may not be true or not, is on Friday nights more than it is on Monday nights, you know, and it all depends on, on how they get introduced. Uh, Do they get, do they wait until the big crowds come back into the arenas before these two, you know, which, you know, could be, you know, weeks, months from now. I don't know. But, you know, I'd like to see, you know, either one or both on Friday nights on SmackDown. Let's get over to the other uh, Wednesday night show, All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. And uh, this one, uh, this was good all throughout because we had Jericho on commentary with uh, Tony Skivone and... uh, (laughs) And so, so we're just getting like great Jericho stuff all throughout. Oh, and yeah. you know what? There was a lot of times he he was bouncing back and forth. I think sometimes he was just having so much fun that he wasn't even playing heel. You know, he wasn't even doing his like his heel stuff. And then he would kind of kind of catch himself and then go like super heel and other and other things. Another time he he mentioned <laughs> one point he wanted to he wanted to punch, he was gonna punch Cody's mom because she got him last. And, and Shawani was like, his mom? What? You're going to do? He's like, she got me last time. You know, and he's, which was just it, it, You know, I mean, that shows you right there. Do we, do we need, do we need JR, you know, and, you know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you, so. You know, no, that, that was just so good last night. Just listening what? to those two go back and forth. <laughs> I don't was. care what the match was. It was me amazing. No, it, it, was, was, it was so entertaining. It was great. We got a. Uh, Jake Roberts at the beginning, and you know, anytime he speaks, we're all gonna listen. Sure, um, you know, he, he, his, um, you know, his promo level is unbelievable. And, and Jake's guy right now is Lance, Lance Arthur, Archer, who came out and uh, it's a super squash match for uh, Archer against uh, Alan Angels. Do you like what they're, what they're doing with uh, uh, Archer here? Yeah, you know, he's a Texas guy, you know, he was a Texas indie scene guy for, for a long time, then uh, just blew up literally man went all over the world new japan i mean yeah. he was everywhere and yeah this this is the correct route with him you know it probably hurts a little bit with jake not being able to be there and speak for him but yeah squash matches that's the only thing they need to do with him for a while but yeah, yeah. I, I like lance oh yeah yeah keep keep giving him uh, uh some some easy victories there oh, sure yeah um the next match was a women's match versus uh with a brit breaker versus a uh, kuroshida and these, these ladies uh, did well. They went for a little while, but the end Baker got busted open. She was just, bl- which was, which made her like post match promo really oh, good because yeah. she's just bleeding down the fight, and she plays the crazy really, really well here. It's, it's, look, and she has gotten better and better and better, and it's so great that they have let her um, become what she really is. She's not the strongest in the ring. We all know that. Um, and her to constantly remind us that she's smarter than us. She's better looking than us. She's a dentist. And, you know, if, if that was probably one of her better matches. And if that blood doesn't happen at the end, no one's talking about that match at all. And now that means it's probably going to live in infamy, you know, at least for the next couple of weeks. I, I thought it was amazing. And that promo was just, you know. She better be glad she didn't touch my teeth. But even though she did, I could fix it because I'm a dentist. It was, it was great. It was, it was She's funny. doing great in this role. Oh yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. It's good. It's good. Like you said, it took a little bit to find the footing, and there she's really run with it, running yeah. with it now. Oh, yeah. It's good. Uh, Sheeta gets the win via pinfall, but this doesn't hurt uh, Britt one bit. No, they're no. they're two kind of towards the top of the women's division um, um, as far as the contenders are concerned here. 
Um, then we have a, kind of a rundown all of the the rankings, um, and it, it's uh, Excalibur going through all you know all the different you know men's division, women's division, tags division, and then we get a uh, a recap of the feud with uh, with Moxley versus Hager, and you know what. This is as good of a job I think as anyone's done with Hager as making him look legitimate, showing a lot of his uh, MMA stuff, his training, you know, introducing this stuff with his family, him talking about why he wants the title to win it for his family and stuff. His wife is smoking, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So this was I don't I don't think he's going to win, but even even hearing Moxley doing a good job trying to put him over, saying you know this is a guy who could. Who could just you know choke me out at any moment in the ring? You know he could lay me out. I could be asleep in a second. This is they—they're doing a good job. They're doing their best, making him seem like a contender. I think we both don't think he has a chance to win this title in any way. But he's this is as good I think as as any company's done with Hager so far. Yeah, look, uh, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I was down on Jake. I was down on this feud. I'm just like, I just can't get into it. You know, every time I see Jake, I, I just want to think we the people, you know, you know, then he, <laughs> he kind of gets lost as a sidekick a little bit with Jericho and in the inner circle. Well, now he's kind of away from it a little bit, even though mm-hmm. he's still in it. And what they did, that was one of their best promo pieces, that package that what they did with Jake and Moxley got me excited to see the match because I, I'm telling you before that, last, before that on Wednesday night, I, I just, that was something yeah, I'm going to watch it. Cause I like Mox who doesn't like want to want to see Mox work, but I thought it was one of their best video packages to date. And I'm actually looking forward to that match now. Cause you do get a backstory with Jake yeah. a little bit behind him because yeah. he, he really it's doesn't talk a lot. That's yes. all you needed. It's just like if, and if he loses fine, that, this was good. This was a good build, and this was something that was was, was easier needed. for them to do right yeah. now. They needed to do something like this right now, and this was something that didn't have to to take place inside of an arena with a bunch of fans. They were able to use footage and and create footage, just probably going and filming him one on one. So, um, yeah, I, I thought this was was well done for them, and I don't you know, and I don't think Mox is going to lose, but no. Um, no. We got to a, a match next with uh, the best friends with Orange Cassidy. So, I mean, <laughs> Orange Cassidy's in the mix. Sign me up versus Omega and uh, his buddy Michael Nakazawa. And this was just like a lot of goof, a lot of shit. Sure. Jericho was like dying laughing on commentary throughout <laughs> yeah. this because there were some like such goofy and bad spots and Nakazawa. <laughs> just, but uh, I mean, it, it was it, it was fun. Like, I didn't, it didn't bother me. It didn't offend me. It wasn't like, um, unbelievably long, or it wasn't anything. It was just, it was funny. It was goofy for a little bit. Yeah, and it went, you know, the ending when, when after you know, post match when when they all hug it out. Just imagine uh, that arena full of people when when Orange, you know, when Orange Cassidy brings them all together and we all get that big hug. Yeah, yeah. I was okay, I was okay with that, and I, I lo- anything Orange Cassidy does, I, I'm 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 all in. But uh, yeah, no, I, I was fine with the match. Great commentary. Great ending, and I and I love the uh, the hug it out segment to to finish it off. So uh, yeah, Nakazawa and uh, Kenny get the lose here. The best friends get the win via pinfall. Um, we then get a uh, Brody Lee, uh, the exalted one. He is driving up to a building to meet some people. He's wearing a tie. The others are not. He calls <laughs> them out for how they look. He said he wants to make every life he touches extraordinary, and he says how they look is important. Says to get their act together and uh, to show him what they want, and then he tells the guy with the tie he has an opportunity, 
and he heads into the building. So they're at least this is this has been a little more consistent now. Over the first couple of weeks, it was like I wasn't sure where which way they were going to push him, but they're definitely going to run in with this Vince thing almost, you know? Yeah, and they're making him something different than what he was in the WWE as this, you know, you know, he was kind of like this monster character with people always said like bruiser Brody, you know, that he was kind of that kind of a guy. And he's, this is much different. And they're dressing him up. They're letting him speak. He's intellectual. They're taking a jab at Vince and they repackaged him. I love the, his gear. I'm glad we're not going to, to something that uh, maybe he, he looked like uh, in the E but uh, man, I, I I like this guy, and I've liked what they've done. And again, you got to give kudos to to those who have booked uh, Brody Lee because it has been perfect up until now. We uh, then throughout the show, we got more. It was uh, more the the Moxley Hager stuff that was kind of like mm-hmm. um, cut up throughout the show. Then we get the the Matt Hardy. He's at the compound, <laughs> and he's responding to Jericho and his comments. And he said. Uh, he it was just you know typical broken Matt Hardy type stuff. He calls uh, um, what's his new thing? What's his new vessel? Uh, what's the Call name of Vanguard? His... Yeah, Vanguard One. Yeah. Vanguard One is the is the but his his I I, I kind of I'll figure it out if I didn't in a second. But th- this was funny stuff again. We're gonna get it looks like a, a Hardy Jericho, and it's gonna be yes. the uh, the he wants him to face him at the Hardy Compound in the Elite Deletion. <laughs> you know, look, here's the thing. I, I'm, I, I said it before, you know, said it already, and I'll say it again. You know, if you look at one thing that didn't belong in TNA last night uh, or uh, AEW on Wednesday night, as you watch the program, you kind of go, okay, the Matt Hardy broken gimmick. Are, do, do we still, I mean, is this the only thing that Matt Hardy's got left? Is, is this the only gimmick he can do now to be relevant? I, I just, I'm okay with it because it's funny, but you know, I, I was there when it was hot in TNA it, Impact. It, it was amazing then, and I'm sure this uh, elite deletion match is going to be fantastic. It's going to be full of, uh, you know, his wife will be on there. Senior Benjamin will be on there. Uh, you know, his kids. You know, Max King Maxwell will probably get a, get a, a a moment in there, but. I just I don't know. It just seems like it's out of place for me with AEW. I, I you know, it, it's neat, it's fun. I, I just I don't know how much longer I'm cool with the delete, delete, delete stuff in, in two thousand twenty with AEW. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Like I said, I, I'm not, you know, digging on Matt Hardy because I'm a huge Matt Hardy fan and I love this character. It just seems like we're past this now and we're having to bring it up again. Yeah, it's, it's we'll see the go with this. Like they had to pause it for a couple of years and then yeah. bring it back. And sometimes it's not the right time it's, or it yeah, doesn't necessarily lost. fit. It's kind of sometimes forced into into stories here and there. So we'll see if Matt's creativity and uh, and Jericho's. I mean, you put those two guys together, great minds. Hopefully, they can come up with something yes. really really good. Um, then we got a Brody Lee squash. This was what we were expecting right now, just yeah. building him oh, up. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and again, you know, love the ring gear. Uh, you know, I do like it that you, you know, I did see that AEW not only had a couple of the the locker room out, you know, on the front row, but they had a few more bystanders, you know, yep. around too to give it a you know more pineapple Pete. look. Yeah, oh yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, again, Brody Lee, just the look of it, 
uh, his finisher, everything about it. Uh, that guy's a, a bona fide star. Uh, to close things out, we got the first match in the tournament for the TNT Championship, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was Cody versus Sean Spears. And you know, this was one of Spears's better, and Jericho even said it. This was one of Spears's better uh, appearances in AEW. He looked he looked really good. This was a, a good, solid TV match. I don't think. It was ever in doubt we all kind of knew Cody was going to win But they did do that spot where um, He was slammed onto Like the ring um, The the barricade And it looked like Cody was going to get Counted out for a minute he got back in the ring Real quick late And uh, was able to pick up the win What was interesting about this match he, He hit his finisher twice Crossroads on Spears and Spears kicks out Cody ends up winning With a pin In a Figure four leg lock which I don't know If I've like Jericho said it too I don't know if I've seen that before I just saw Bret Hart kick out of one in Wrestlemania 10 When Owen <laughs> right, did that right. to him but, yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah No I yeah it, look Sean Spears uh, I, You know I, I liked him In the WWE You know Perfect he just yeah. yeah you know uh, Ty Dillinger Just never could really get going Um then, then he comes over here, and that's one of the exciting signings, you know. And then he kind of just kind of flops a little bit, you know. Yeah. Not that he doesn't have it. And then, you know, I think they kind of knew it. And, okay, we'll put him on some AE dark matches. Uh, and then he kind of, like, disappears for a little while. And I don't think that was punishment. I just think that, okay, we know he's got it. Let's do something different. And I thought this was a perfect opportunity for him, um, kind of like uh, Apollo Crews in his match on Monday mm-hmm. night. Um, this was a perfect opportunity for him to go with go one on one with Cody, one of the best. And we all knew Cody was going to win. But now let's see if this springboards Sean Spears, you know, up the ladder a little bit, and we can start taking him a little bit more serious. I don't think we need Tully Blanchard with him. I didn't understand that from the get go. I didn't think. That worked, so I thought that was bad, and I thought, you know, that needs to stay away. Sean Spears is good at what he does. He doesn't need to be a mouthpiece. He's kind of a wild card. Let him go, and I think this was the start, hopefully the start of something new, because Cody got the best of Sean Spears. Yeah, there's no reason why he can't be like a mid-card, like a contender heel for this title. You yeah, know absolutely. what I mean for this TNT sure. title when it when it gets developed and when it when it gets out there like there's no reason why he can't be like a nice mid card heel and kind of be like for some of your new baby faces as like a step on the way up and he'll probably turn at some point and you know um and, and get back to good because the fans like him and he's a he, he he's he's kind of got a good uh, look to him yeah this was good and this was a re- this was a good match and this was a it was a really good Wednesday and I was looking back I think. WWE actually or NXT actually won in the ratings this week, I believe, right? Yeah, I believe they were they were relatively it was close, really you know? tight. Yeah, right. So yeah, both real good shows. You know, not really much negativity on either one of them. So again, another solid week of uh, and maybe this is you know pro pro wrestling's time to shine while everything else is on the shelf right now. Yeah, it is. It is. I think there are probably some people that are tuning in and looking and kind of becoming fans again. I'm sure. sure absolutely. It, um. It, it was just a, from from Saturday through. It it has been a really good week for both nights of WrestleMania. Um, I, I I like some of the things they did on Monday Night Raw, and then we had a really really strong Wednesday night with both of these shows. So, hey, you know what? 
We'll be negative and critical when we need to be. Uh, I don't think we had to be negative or critical about a whole heck of a lot this week. No, and uh, I, I think it it continues to get stronger. And look, you you got to give both companies credit. I know there's a lot of negativity. You know, why are these guys still working? Uh, you know, you could spread this, you could spread that. Number one, they're not going to put anyone in. in I, I don't care. I, I know people take shots at Vince McMahon. All oh, the show must go on. You know, type stuff, but. You know, now's the time to get really, really creative and just think when it is time for fans to come back into these arenas, it's just going to be it's going to be exploding at both companies. Chad, my man, thank you so much. We were able to to cover uh, a bunch of different stuff this week. Um, uh, What uh, what do you got going on uh, next few days? Anything you working on? And then give us your plugs on uh, on social media. You know, just kind of, uh, you know, we're at a holiday weekend coming up. Uh, we're at the first part of April, just kind of uh, hoping that there's a finish line uh, relatively soon with all this. You know, uh, I know a lot of people in a hurry to get back into some sort of normalcy, but uh, at the Chad Cooper, both on Twitter and Instagram, you can find all my uh, good happenings and good stuff there, my friend. Koopa Loop, always a pleasure, buddy. We'll be talking to you again real soon. Thanks for coming in uh, and giving us some of your time. You got it, Gino. That's our good friend, Chad Cooper. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take you. A big thank you to Chad Cooper. A big thank you to Don August. A big thank you to Emily Gullickson. Uh, talking racing. Talking wrestling. And, uh, I mean, right, right now we'll, we'll give you any sports news that we have. Anything to bring to you. We'll get some uh, some show recaps in. I'm going to talk a little Breaking Bad next week. And we can kind of recap the, the series a little bit. And what's been happening in the, the final season. And, uh, you know, anything new uh, on the Tiger King front Where there's supposed to be an episode dropping this week Which should be great So we'll keep you updated on everything Make sure if you can, head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, um, YouTube Give us a nice uh, subscribe, give us a rating and review Share the show with your friends Best of luck this weekend Stay safe, stay smart everyone And Joey Cleveland will close this out with the That's What G Said theme song